Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on our couch today. He drove in from somewhere, somewhere north of the city, uh, Barry. Yeah, <laughs> Barry. How was how was traffic coming uh, in? Traffic was fine. Winter snow watch in Barry, <laughs> but mm. it's totally fine here. Yeah, I was wondering if you're gonna if you're gonna make it in on time, or if you're gonna just call me I, last minute, be like, "Yo, no, fuck it." I didn't want to be a dick and cancel. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. You know you how I love have, to say, guys, don't be a dick. You guys have scheduled the time. And I was like, well, if it's an actual like snowstorm where buses are canceled and that. But I was like, once you get past Highway 89, there's nothing. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I made it here in an hour. Perfect. That's well, not bad. I think I'm that's not saying good timing. I drove the speed limit. We're, we're not <laughs> saying that. We're absolutely not saying that. Where's your badge? What's your badge? <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Amanda, and we're doing an unprofessional hour today. I'm so excited. Yeah, first one of uh, season three. First one, 2020. Uh, so we have Teresa sitting on our couch today, and uh, she took a course with Conrad Institute, and Mark was her instructor, and Mark actually came home that night and said, She's pretty fucking interesting. Let's get her on okay. the podcast. Not only are you super interesting, this whole this whole thing is really interesting. We have this course, as Amanda said, the other half of what we do is uh, Conant Institute, our continued education company. And we have a course that is called Record Keeping for Manual Therapists. And we've recently made it an online course as well. We still deliver it in person, but we made it into an online course. Ever since we made it into an online course, the in-class enrollment has dropped dramatically. Yeah, we used to get like 18 to 20 in that class. Tw- and you- I- there was what two in yours? Yeah, I think yeah. tops on that we hit thirty-two. Yeah, it was the yeah, top yeah. on that. Anyway, so when we deliver it in class now, there's no one that takes it barely, but it's great in class. You were one of the two people in the room that day, and when I saw, you know, the only exciting one. But when I <laughs> just saying, it's true though. Well, I know the other is a listener, so hi. <laughs> I find you very exciting to, to ignore what's happening. I'm not here. saying she wasn't. <laughs> so when I when I realize that there's going to be two people, I'm like, okay, this is normally like a seven and a half hour class. This is probably going to get done pretty pretty fucking fast. Nope. Didn't happen. I t- no, I told Teresa off mic how didn't you called at me all. at lunch and you're like, no fucking way. I'm making it home for dinner. <laughs> yeah, but it was. You know, you could have just said, hello, like, no, I got to get out of here. But I love it. That's why I love the in-class version <laughs> way more than the online version. I'm a big fan of in-class over online as well. I mean, I understand the, the appeal for online, you know, do it at your own pace, do it when you have time. Everyone's busy and everyone has shit to do. But in class, you get all the different people and different perspectives and you get discussion. Hence why you guys definitely didn't finish on time for me personally with what I'm going through with the college um, with my situation I needed to be face to face with someone I'm not an online person to begin with I've never listened to a podcast until yesterday and listening to yours so that I kind of know what to expect (laughs) Um, I don't do anything online I don't do any of my billing like except for like our online billing I don't I'm not an email person. I don't have a website. I'm not on social media. I'm like zero internet. Do you fucking churn your own butter too? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I could, I probably would. I actually do a lot of baking and cooking. That's a side. (laughs) But no, I mean, I, I, I'm just not an online person. It's not my, my thing. I'm always like people person in your face. And I needed questions answered that 
I, I didn't need to just take a course. I needed someone face to face that could answer the questions I had with the situation I'm going through. I so much prefer that course in person anyway, because it leads down like the topics in that course lead down to so much fucking discussion yeah. is what I love about it. And it's stuff you just can't get in an online course. It, it doesn't make sense. I love that in class. You said you had issues with the college. Are yeah. you are you cool to talk about? What? Yes, she is. All right. Well, tell us Absolutely. what's going on there. Okay. So, well, wait, 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 okay. wait, wait. Pause. Yes, shouldn't, we, shouldn't we first at least introduce our guest? Uh, yeah. I mean, all we've said is her name. Sorry, yeah. Maybe, I got excited. Let's hear a little bit about you. Tell okay. our listeners, you know, like how long you've been practicing, what kind of therapist you are, what you do, like a little bit about your, your history. Okay. So I have been registered since 1997. Uh, yep, 23 years. Uh, my sister is also an RMT, been registered for 25 years. Uh, her and I are 16 months apart in age, super close. We have wait, wait, wait. What do you call what do you call those twins? They're they're not. It's we're, 16, we're 16, 16 months, months is not twins. It's if they're less than a year apart, they're Irish twins. Oh, uh, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> no, uh, my sister look, my it. sister looks Irish, but that's about it. <laughs> why do they call them Irish twins? Why is why is why Irish? You know, I should Google that. I actually don't know. I just I've know that if Oh, really? If two siblings are born less than 12 months apart, because it is possible. I mean, you does have it to have get to pregnant be, immediately. Does it have to That's be to the Irish same woman? Twins. Yeah. I don't know. I was just asking. <laughs> same mother, yes. yes. Same mother. I'm going to I'm gonna Google that at some point to find out. If anyone's listening and knows why two babies born to the same mother within 12 months is called Irish twins, you can educate me because I actually have no idea. All right. Sorry. I, I messed oh, that up. That's an aside. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I started off my career in sports medicine. Uh, like at a huge sports med clinic with like 11 physios, chiropractors, orthopedic surgeons. Um, I'm probably one of the only RMTs I know that used to just bust out 13 hours a day, hands on day in, day out. And when I left that clinic after four years, I will just say my first day I had six MVA clients. So that kind of gives you the gist of what I did for years and years and years. And when I left there, they had to hire three RMTs to take my schedule. You're a to workhorse. Say, yeah. So, uh, you, that's are, exactly, you are just like Mark, by the way. That is exactly what they used to call me, a workhorse. And then I kind of went out on my own and uh, worked at a place. And again, I've always kind of just been a machine, eight, 10 hours a day, six days a week, seven days a week, come in early, stay late. And I'm a bit of a beast. Like I've never been someone who is like, oh, let me just make you feel better today. I mean, that just ain't my style. Yeah. So I w also played competitive rugby for Toronto. I was also a competitive bodybuilder. Um, so my style is just naturally aggressive. My personality is aggressive. Um, I swear too much. So anyone listening, Fuck you know, em. it's good. <laughs> I actually showed uh, Amanda a picture of my coffee mug from this morning. And it's basically a flowery mug that says, fuck you on it. <laughs> you know? So I had to tell her about Some my, of my, clients my pick coffee up mugs. on it when I'm drinking <laughs> out of it in the morning. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, 23 years. Um, for the first 22 years of my practice, I will tell you, I only took seven weeks off in 22 years. So I, I, never, I, I never had kids. I had my tubes tied when I was 35, so I never started a family, never had kids. Um, Why'd you do that? What's that? Why'd you? Why? I was just so she wouldn't have kids. So I wouldn't have kids. <laughs> uh, I just knew that I, I was know. not a motherly there's, person. There's other ways to go about not having children. No, yeah, no. I just, you know, for me, I was just, you know, kids are not my thing. That's good though. At least, yeah, no. at least the dude doesn't have to like pull and yeah, pray. Yeah, no. So I mean, for me, it doesn't matter who I was dating or whatever. The decision was mine. I just, you know, being a workaholic 
was my jam. Like mm. that's what I, I've just been, you know, my whole life basically I, because I became registered just as I turned 21 years old. And so, you know, for me, it's, that was my, my life and it has been my life. And I mean, every day is like about my practice and my clients. And so going through all this shit with the college. Okay, and, wait, 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 wait. What were you doing before massage school? Uh, I was working at a physiotherapy clinic as a physiotherapist assistant for three years before I became an RMT. Mm, so like straight from high school to do that? I was in high school. Ah. So I was the very first. So this very large clinic I worked for, they had five clinics. So you're talking very successful people, all with kinesiologists, athletic therapists, um, chiropractors, orthopedic doctors on staff. Um, I was a high school student. I took a co-op in high school. Uh, to be a physiotherapy assistant. Then I actually, that was my part-time job while I was in my first year as an RMT. So basically since I've been 17, 18 years old, I have been doing nothing but therapy. So it literally has- This really is your life. And also my sister became registered two years prior to me. So okay. I have been receiving massages since I was 16 years old. So this, for my sister and I, you know, she graduated at 20 years old. I graduated at 21. We literally have been doing this more than half our lives so that's why when people look at me they're like well how can you be doing massage you know 23 years you don't look that old well it's because we graduated i actually young. thought the same thing i didn't say anything <laughs> but i was like looking at you i'm like you barely look older than i am this doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah. so but i get it does. you know and i was when i was listening to a few of your podcasts and by the way i'm a little upset that you only listen to a few <laughs> There's like a hundred listening though. She's not a tech person. I'm not a tech person. I had to like, I'm like, oh, how do I even listen to a podcast? Okay, I can do this. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I'm not a tech person and at all. But when I was listening to one of your unprofessional hours and, you know, when you were talking to someone who had piercings and tattoos and, you know, it's not always about those things. But I remember when I was a pretty new RMT that I had a guy who didn't want to come and see me because he was said I was too young and didn't have enough life experience. And so the physiotherapist- Was this an old guy? You know, well, I mean, you have to think. I was 21 years old. Yeah. And so he was having some serious issues and he talked to the physio and said, like, she's too young. There's no way I can talk to her about my problems, you know? And, you know, this physio was 20 years my senior and- yeah, Has no one ever seen fucking Doogie Howser? But you know what? She said to him, she actually stood up for me and said, you know what? Teresa graduated just like everybody else, did the education. She's got lots of experience. Yeah. And, you know, so it's fine. I mean, I, I mean, I could do so many podcasts with you guys about shit that's happened to me over the year. Like, you know, I don't know how many RMTs have had, honestly, the experience I've had working at such a massive clinic where they used to bring speakers in like surgeons. And I mean, I went toe to toe with the head back surgeon at RVH mm. because he told me, and the 40 other people that were there for a staff meeting, that massage was a crock of shit. Didn't believe in fibromyalgia. And he went on about how he's had the muscle in his hand and he can't get it to relax. So massage is a bunch of bullshit. And so you have to understand, I'm like 20 something years old and I raise my hand. And I'm sure the owners of the clinic were just mortified and they're like, oh my God, what, <laughs> what's going to come out of her mouth? You know, because they knew me since I was a teenager. And I just said, well, I said, when someone's in surgery, I said, aren't they under anesthetic? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, well, how do you expect to get like a normal musculoskeletal response if they're comatose? And he was like, oh. <laughs> and then it was like three years later, he retired, had knee surgery. Who do you think he came to for massage? <laughs> Your because sister. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because he's so, like, who's this fucking so kid? So he had knee surgery after he retired. 
and the physios couldn't get the scar tissue kind of loosened up. And they're like, you know, you're going to have to go see Teresa. I was mortified when I saw him on my list. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> and you know what? After three treatments, he was hugging me like I was his granddaughter, man. And this is a guy who so many people... Are you okay had... when people hug you? Patients? Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you kidding? Dude, I get it all the time. All right. I'm like... Just wondering. Just wondering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- I mean, yeah. My clients after 20-something years. Some of them, I mean, in 20-something years, I've never gotten a hug. But right. other ones, it's like kind of like a... Every time they come in. What if it's a what if it's a first time treatment and after it's like, give me a hug. Oh <laughs> you know. Mind you, I would say most of the people who come to me now are directly referred by someone I really know. Mm. I don't kind of get, you know, random people uh because you know, those people I'm I'm not on social media. I'm one of those people who actually Google my own name and have myself deleted from bullshit lists. So uh, I don't know how many people do that, but I'm one of those people. Do you Google yourself? Do I Google myself? Have no. You? Have I in the past? Yes. Why, I couldn't what tell. What was you. the reason for you Googling yourself? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> I honestly but I also have such a common name, to be honest with you. Mm. There's there's a billion people with my same first and last name. So when I Google my own name, a whole bunch of different results come up. Yeah, no gotcha. no one else has my name. No, you're so, one of a kind. Or, yeah. So I what? just wanted to actually say something though. Yeah. I don't I don't know Teresa. We met whatever twenty minutes ago when she came in and sat on the couch. <laughs> but just based on us chatting off mic when you were having Smoking, your yeah. your fresh air break, um, and based on what she's saying now, referring to herself as aggressive in her personality and the way she speaks to people and her treatment style, I would call it assertive, by the way. But you know, <laughs> to each their own. Yes. I cannot imagine somebody after a treatment who didn't know her being like, "Give me a hug." Like. <laughs> I don't think well, so. I'm punching you in the face. No. <laughs> you're not you're not going to do that to somebody who's not, you know, the warm, nurturing, motherly type, which yeah, I, mean, I mean she just I said she's like, not. But I mean, although no, I am to your su- clients you are you are. I am super like my clients have been like my number one priority my entire career. Yeah. I will come in early. I will stay late. I will work Sundays. I mean, I've had clients call me crying. I mean, I'm a super like a caring person yeah. in that capacity but i wouldn't say i'm motherly because i don't like i don't mother anybody but definitely my main goal has always been to treat people and to get them better and i'm just like a no bullshit kind of person are like, you a girly girl <laughs> um after playing rugby for 8 years and bodybuilding for 5 probably not the most girly girl around mm. although the girls on my rugby team would tease me that i was the most girly girl well, team. I mean, you used to wear heels to work. You've I got, did. you've got makeup. I, you know, I, I would say it was a legit question. I, it is I a became, legit question. I would say I became more girly as I got older. I would say when I was younger, I was hardcore tomboy, and then as I've gotten older, I became more more girly. You can be both simultaneously. I think that's the way that I am. So, and you and can be you, both what you can be both a girly girl and not a girly girl simultaneously. I truly believe yeah. that. I think there's certain. Okay, name times, me someone that you think is both a girly girl. Me, and not, I'm saying no, I someone am someone that, that the world knows. Someone that the world knows. Yeah. Well, fuck, I think I'm famous. Oh, um, <laughs> hmm. I, I, will Jillian, have to, I, I would say Jillian Michaels. She comes to mind. Jillian Michaels could you know be, hair yes. done, makeup yeah. done, whatever, but total like. But you know, gotcha. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I think yeah. you can be both. There's some days where it I feel like you catch I feel on. like being glammed <laughs> up, you know. And then there's some days where I'm like, can I just put on my sweats and? Well, I have to say, when I was bodybuilding, I would go to the gym. And it would be like baseball hat, heavy sweats. It'd be like, you look like a man when you go. And then I would have a shower and put my clothes on. And people would be like, oh my God, like for real, that's what you look like. 
So, I mean, I, I think at work, I mean, yeah, I used to wear heels every day, which I know most people are wearing their Crocs and their Birkenstocks and they're like, you know, really healthy shoes for their feet. That was not me because I've never had any problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I would say it was depending on what level of fitness I was at because obviously I've been like super jacked and then like, you know, times like now where I'm not super jacked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's certainly days that I don't do my hair. I don't wear makeup. I wear like my gym clothes to work. You know, if I have like eight or nine people, pff, I am not dressing up for no one. <laughs> mm. And I'm going to be sweating because I sweat when I work because I'm not doing like uh, fluffy back rubs all day. Gotcha, gotcha. And I do have a very huge male clientele. Because of my sports background and working at the sports med clinic and, you know, even my sister, she's a really tiny person and, you know, she's only about maybe 120 pounds, five foot nothing. And if they get a lot of male clients and they figure they can't physically do it, Mm -hmm. then they'll refer them to me because, yeah. I'm a beast. beast. I'm a beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, now that we know a little bit about you. Oh, just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. I'm a little bit of a machine. Like that's, you know. Did you ever compete? I did. What was, uh, what was your weight and body fat percentage when you were competing? When I was, like when you hit the stage. I'll show you a picture because I have one. Is it like your screensaver? (laughs) No. No. Okay, here. Come and look. Amanda wants to know if she can make it her screensaver. (laughs) Oh, yes. I want to know. Holy shit, woman. You are a beast in a good way right in a in a very good way like like would like would fatima be like or sorry fatima would she be like yeah yeah for sure look at that picture yeah pass me you guys can't see it and i feel bad for you but this this woman is jacked oh yeah you know i mean in the bodybuilding world i mean i would run into some people oh i'm into bodybuilding do you get on stage and compete then don't call yourself a bodybuilder can i ask you a question yeah how much now that you're not in this life do you uh hate the idea of spray tanning (laughs) Uh, I still go to the tanning bed on really? a regular. <laughs> yeah, but you're not, you're, not, you're not spray tanning now. I mean, uh, it's actually not a spray tan. That's not it's spray? A spe- it's a special liquid you put on. It's actually, like you, a lotion. there are regulations to tanning standards in bodybuilding. There are illegal products you can use for tanning mm. when it comes to bodybuilding. So, I mean, when you're competing... People at the gym, I could see the same people seven days a week, you know, training two hours a day. That doesn't make you a bodybuilder. No, not at all. What you have to do to go to the gym and and actually step on stage and put that bikini on and do, it's a whole different world. So when I run into people, they're like, oh yeah, I'm into bodybuilding. Do you compete? Then you're not a bodybuilder. You're a gym rat. We had people on who compete and that was the point of having them on is to show that you know, you can be super into fitness and oh, you yeah. can train, but there beast. is nothing that comes close to what you guys do. Different, and I mean, so I have some of my bodybuilding buddies that that come in and whatever. And I mean, we're not going to talk about supplementation, but nobody looks like that naturally. Is of all I'm going to say. I don't care who you are. I don't care what show you're doing. I'm doing the naturals. Oh no, no, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. So I mean, I did my fair share of whatever I had to do to look that way. And I mean, you know, I got my personal training certificate back in 2000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I used to have a huge clinic with a huge private gym. I used to employ two trainers, two physios, two whatever. And now, you know, here we are 10 years later and I just work by myself doing my own thing because I just realized I'm not someone who like really plays well with others. Laziness. You is a- realize that or other people told you that? Um, I definitely realize it myself. How'd you, how'd you realize that? Um, I, I just know I get frustrated when I don't see people working. And I think if I'm willing to bust my ass and see all kinds of clients, when you say, oh, I just can't build a practice and, you know, oh, I just... It's, it's a like, good thing you're not on social media. Yeah, no, I I, I got off it. social media a long time ago. Uh, I was on Facebook when it 
first came out and then I've been off it now probably eight years I've been off Facebook mm. and because I just felt that that was a platform for people to like spew their bullshit and get justification have their ego stroked all day which you would think someone like me would be on there getting my ego stroked but I just I, I just find it a platform for bur- like people's bullshit mm. and I don't have time like I'm like you know what I'm busy living my own reality I don't have time for your shit <laughs> and I don't want to hear your whining and complaining about oh boo hoo poor me it's like not poor you pick up your socks put your nose to the grindstone and do some fucking work like I don't get it like people are just lazy and even in the world of massage you have to be willing to work you're never going to build a practice by working three days a week seeing four people a day amen sister i mean i i have uh, a massage therapist that i know and i met him a couple years ago at courses and he said to me well you know you just can't make a living in this career it's bullshit. and yet my sister and i have had very successful careers at age 37 i own two houses by myself like I have done nothing else my entire life except be in the world of therapy. Mm -hmm. So to say you can't make money at it, well, not when you work at a clinic where you hand over 50% of your paycheck. Like go lease a space for a thousand bucks a month and the rest is in your pocket. But not a lot of RMTs have the capability to be self-employed because it's the unknown where for people like me, yeah, I started off in a clinic environment for the first four years. And I will tell you now here we are 20 years later and I still have those clients. I have had one lady in particular who has been with me since I was a first year student since 1996. And she's still my client to this day. So Mm -hmm. I would say 80% of my clients are from 20 plus years ago. And then the other 20% of my clients are like referrals, people that I've seen probably now for 10 years, 15 years, five years. I very, I think in 2018, I took on six new clients. That's it. And my schedule, and I think I'm working now, I only try and see about four to six people a day. Sometimes eight happens and I take Mondays off, which is why I'm here on a Monday. I think I'm busier even now than some RMTs have ever been. And I've never had a physical problem. I've never had a wrist problem, for a forearm problem, a neck problem, a shoulder. Because that bothers Being me an RMT, and you know what? It, I, I met an RMT at a course and she's like, oh, well, I have carpal tunnel. I'm like, yeah, so get it fucking treated from an RMT. Like, if this is, <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, we treat carpal tunnel. So if you're telling me you have carpal tunnel, you can't be an RMT anymore. I'm like, I just sit there and, and be like, but why aren't you going for treatment? We treat, uh, we treat carpal tunnel. Like, I, it just blows my mind that we're in a profession where we treat injuries and yet this person's like, oh, I can't be an RMT anymore. I got carpal tunnel. Oh, pff, then you should not be an RMT. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you're saying, though, is, is stuff that we've discussed about when you go into this career, a lot of people go into it, myself included, because we like the idea of being able to work for ourselves, being able to have flexibility, being able to have this mythical uh, work-life balance that <laughs> that everybody mythical is searching is right. for. <laughs> well, and the, here's the thing. I is, don't even know how many years have you been registered? So I've only been, uh, I'm going into my 10th year. Okay. okay? So I... Um, I'm like you. When I first started out, I was seeing probably, I would say I was working at least two to three 12 hour days a week. And the <laughs> other days were were about eight to yeah. eight to nine hours. Like yeah. I was working and I was working like crazy five to six days a week. And I, I didn't mind it because it was what I wanted to yeah. do at the time. But I did that and I busted my ass so that now 10 years down the road where I did choose to have children, I do have I, again, I say it's a mythical work-life balance because <laughs> something always has to take a back seat. Yeah, but of I can actually schedule my life 
uh, oh, sorry, my work around my life. You know, I yeah. don't have to schedule my life around my work. I well, can... 100%. My sister has three kids. Yeah. And, you know, because she owned her own clinic, I'm going to tell you, my sister, people think that I'm a machine and I'm a worker. My sister has three kids. And I'm going to tell you, she had her baby on like a Wednesday. She came into the office on Thursday, showed us the baby. She worked, she took Friday off and she came and worked on Saturday, three days after having her third kid. She's a fucking machine. I did not uh, do I that. I actually bought her, <laughs> I actually bought her a t-shirt a few years ago that said Wonder Woman before one, the Wonder, Wo- uh, Wonder Woman movie came out. And I'm like, dude, like how do you do it all? My sister is 16 months older than me, very successful RMT, has three kids, uh, has, you know, had a couple horses at home, runs her business, has staff of like two chiropractors, couple massage therapists, naturopath, blah, 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 blah. Then she does crap on the side because her kids are in hockey. She crochets, she makes t-shirts, she's got a side business. Like, and I'm going to tell you, she still makes a lot of homemade, like she still even makes homemade buns. Okay. She does mm. all kinds of cooking, all kinds of baking. Like and then I have people with one kid <laughs> say, oh, I don't know how to make my life work. I, ha- I have a kid tree, so you don't understand. I'm like, bitch, would you like to meet my sister who has three kids, runs a business and is an RMT and lives on a farm and has shit to do? This is one of the careers that you can actually be, as long as you work, you can be successful by accident. We yeah. always talk about being successful by intent and that's the way to maximize. Mm. But you can actually be really, really successful in this career completely by accident. Absolutely. Your massage therapist, people have coverage. Once you get your hands on somebody, it should be gold. It's Well, there's certain things that you need. One, you need to be willing to work as Teresa yes, said. That is you cannot you can't do it if oh, you willing not willing to, to do willingness it. To, you, you can't be like, I just want to see two people a day. I mean, people have to, number one, I think personality has a lot to do with it because you are going to attract the type of people but that you are. But, but there's if someone you work for at a, everybody. Oh, 100%. Right? So personality, my personality will attract a certain type of people yeah. and then I can be full. Your personality is different, attracts a different type of person. You can oh, be full. Oh, I mean, definitely over the years. I mean, I have not been for everybody. I mean, that is for sure. But you know what? As an RMT, I was never one of these people who was like, oh, those are my clients and this person's my. And it's like because I was like, if someone didn't like my style, didn't like my personality, didn't. I mean, there's a million other RMTs out there. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it's whatever is best for that client. And I know I'm not the best for everybody, which is fine. But I think I always tell new grads, it's like. If you want to get established, you find the busiest clinic you can find, the largest facility, and you get out there and you just get bombarded with clients. And I mean, that's what I did when I first started. First day was six MVAs plus who knows what else. And I mean, I was just off and running. There was no... And I mean, you're also in a professional setting where, you know, I've met RMTs and their entire practice, they've been at La Skandinav Spa. Well your experience level is going to be so much less than mine because who are you seeing at La Scandinav Spa or at Massage Addict or, you know, a, a place that's not a clinical setting. And I know I've heard you guys talk on the podcast before about a lot of RMTs, you know, we're kind of like at the bottom of the list of healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. And it's because we have such a wide range of like people way out in left field who are like beating drums and placing crystals and, you know, doing stuff like that to clients where you have other people who are like super science and assessment oriented and treatment oriented. And then, you know, when you can take everything from raindrop therapy to guided imagery you know, and then you're trying to like break in with doctors and physios and chiros and orthopedics and, you know, you're just not in the same realm. I don't think there is a tight enough um, education 
uh, being an RMT is pretty much a free for all. I think you can, I had a lady I graduated with 20 years, my senior brilliant, brilliant hands-on therapist, honor roll, 90s plus. I mean, this woman was like amazing hands-on and she literally got her RMT designation so that she could go off and do her own thing, rebirthing. Like I was so-and-so in a past life and, you know, she literally would say she would have Jesus working through her, through her hands. So, I mean, you have like left field, right field. And I, but I that's about, why it's easy to be successful. Once oh, 100%. again, going back to that point, all you have to do is be willing to work because there's somebody out there who's going to be attracted to every type of therapist. The three of us in this room are all probably drastically different. You have to be willing to work and your mindset has everything to do with it. You and your sister obviously don't make excuses. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> as, you know, like, I think I, I agree with you, but I'm also, you know, I also give people a little bit of, of leeway when it comes to I don't have time. We all know that the saying I don't have time is bullshit. It's what you prioritize. Time management. But it's, it's time management. It's what you prioritize. So for example, I used to be in the gym six days a week. Okay. I've talked about this on the podcast mm -hmm. before as well. I've become okay with my new level of fitness because the priority for me is not to be in the gym six days a week. I'm either here podcasting, treating, tr uh, teaching courses, oh. or I'm with my my kids or I'm doing their extracurriculars. And so I know that the reason isn't I don't have time because could I get up at four o'clock in the morning and go to the gym? Sure. Fucking right I can. Sure. I don't want to. No, and I'm not going to. And I want to eat cake. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I want to eat cake. I want to I want to sleep in. But the excuse of I don't have time, it's it's not I don't have time. People's mindsets need to flip to I need to figure out how to better manage my time. I'm not managing my time well, correctly. Even this, even this morning coming here, right? Like I know I'm driving from at least an hour away. Weather's kind of shit. So I mean, I was here half an hour early because I just find people who are chronically late. It's a little bit of, you know, I, to me, everyone's on a schedule. You guys obviously have shit to do today. I have the day off. So but I'm like, you know what? I didn't want to cancel either because of the weather because it's like, I know you guys have put this in your schedule. This is your time to do this. And it is about priority. But even becoming an RMT, like for me, there was no fallback for me. There was no other choice for me. And I just, I also think how confident you are in your skills. Like I've been to courses where I've heard people say, oh, I'm not good at this. And I would just tell a client this and like, I would have new RMTs work for my clinic when I had this big office and I would be like, okay, now when you're done treating that client, you don't ask them when they want to come back. You say, based on what we did today, based on your assessment, I need to see you in a week or I need to see you in a month. And like, I found a lot of RMTs do not have the confidence to create a clientele for themselves or get regular clientele because they're not confident in their own skills. And I didn't know if that came from where they went to school, that they just, you know, or they're just, I don't, I don't know. I've never not been confident. I think it's a personality thing. I don't think it has anything to do with the education. And at the end of the day, we all have the same base level education, and the so. same license. It's a personality thing because again, as Mark already mentioned, we teach courses, you know, that that's how you met us. <laughs> and in some of the courses, that's, you know, part of what we teach is how to part of being successful and building a practice isn't always about marketing and getting new people. Majority of it is about client retention. Like you said, you don't take a lot of new people. No, not you're at seeing all. the same people because it's keeping keeping people but, and, and, I, and 
And you also also discount certain certain types of business skills that go along with it. So, for example, yeah, you can have, you know, a a great idea with your treatment plans and everything else. And you you provide a great service and stuff. But the icing on the cake is if you understand the psychology of a consumer, right, Mm -hmm. then you can really figure out how am I going to rebook? You can become a rebooking fucking master as long as you understand Mm -hmm. the psychology of a consumer. Well, and it's not even that. It's like if you honestly are treating someone and you say, I need to see you next week. I need to see you in two weeks. I need, I mean, I have clients who book with me every week. Do I think they need every week? Well, some of them maybe. And I'm just like, at the end of the day, you know, I have never kept anyone coming to treatment who doesn't need it. When I was listening to your podcast, uh, with Mindy, um, and her with a brain injury client, not wanting to treat, I have actually discontinued treatment for people. Cause I'm like, this is not happening. Like I had a guy quite a few years ago was in a car accident, rode off his car, was pissed because it was an older car, mint shape, and the insurance gave him next to nothing. So he kind of wanted to screw the insurance and just be like, oh, I just want to keep coming and keep coming. And there was a previous therapist seeing him. So he was new to me. And I was like, okay, this is your injuries. This is what she's been doing. I said, but we really need to do this, this, and this for effective treatment. He goes, no, I'm not doing that. He would not let me work on certain parts of his body. Mm -hmm. And because, and I said, okay, this is how this works. I said, I'm the therapist. It's my name on the paperwork. I'm not telling your insurance that you're coming to see me two times a week. And after a year, you're not better because then that means I'm a shit therapist and I'm not doing my job Mm -hmm. and I'm not putting my name on that. So I said, either we go through this treatment plan and this is how it's going to be. And I'm actually going to treat you to get better or you can move along. And I have discontinued treatment for so many of my clients because I am not going to put myself in the position of being questioned as a shit therapist. And I don't know how many RMTs out there who are listening who have actually been to court and been on the stand for a court case. And I have multiple times where my one client was awarded $1.2 million and I was the main witness. Mm. So if you want to bullshit your way through paperwork, that's fine. But, and as Mark (laughs) knows, the issues I'm having with the college pertain to paperwork. But in that instance, my client, I when it comes to motor vehicle accident paperwork, if you're just kind of pushing someone through and pushing someone through, there comes a time where that insurance company is going to want to settle. And if you've seen someone for five years, three times a week, and they're no better, then something's going on. Is this a perfect segue to actually talk about what is going on with the college? How did you end up on our couch today, Teresa? Let's start from the beginning. Okay, well, (laughs) back in, oh my gosh, I'm going to say like, 2009, 2010, when we all know we had to do credits and CEUs. And I know Mark's going to hate this, but I'm one of those people that took courses to take courses because I'm like, whatever, I'm busy working eight, 10 hours a day. I'm just taking whatever I can to get my credits. Okay. <laughs> what? And I, <laughs> I know how Mark feels about that, you know, you know and you, although actually that's that kind of how we used to make our money. Not going to lie. <laughs> well, but I mean like seriously, but it doesn't right? Change, it doesn't change our approach to it. No, no. And I so, actually find, find uh, participants like that a, a super challenge. I'm like, can I be so engaging that you will come back and take other courses with us well, and, and do you, it because you want to be Well, here. yeah. And I, mm-hmm. you know, for me, being registered so long, I would take courses with someone who's been an RMT for five years. And I'm like, whatever. But anyways, uh, so I actually, when the college allowed us to take acupuncture, 
So this is like a, a two-part thing because I've actually, this is my second investigation uh, with the college. So okay, my, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was the first investigation? Oh, that's what I'm getting to. So okay. back in the day uh, when the college came out and said, hey, RMTs, you can now take acupuncture. Mm-hmm. So I went to an accredited school with an accredited instructor, um, took a whole pile of courses. They're hanging on my wall. Uh, did acupuncture for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden I get an email from the college, had liability insurance, was legit. Wait, wait, before you continue, were you taking acupuncture because you wanted to take acupuncture? Yes. Were you just taking acupuncture no, because acupuncture, there was a whole fucking Acupuncture, I, I, it that. was something I wanted to take okay. um, because it was, you know, something more physical, right? You know, than raindrop therapy, inhalation therapy, guided imagery, you know, bullshit like that. But anyways, um, you know, because I'm more of a sciencey person, right? So I took it. I took a pile of courses. Uh, but at the time, the guy that I was taking the courses with, he was in... Um, talks with the college because they did not have any course of action for accreditation yet. So I took all these courses, I completed the course, and then a couple of years later, I get an email from the college from registration services, because we all know when we fill out our registration, you have to put, you know, what modalities you do. So I clicked acupuncture, clicked that I have liability insurance, and they came back to me and said, you are not authorized to do acupuncture. And I'm like, of course, you know, I'm not going to say my personality didn't get in the way in a bit because I was pissed, number one. So I basically got in a pissing match with someone from registration services over email. And I'm like, okay, let me contact the school I went to because it was an accredited school. But at the time, the college had finally come out with standards and I did not meet those new standards after I had already completed a whole year of courses, they said, nope, you didn't do this, this, and this, so you're no longer allowed to do it. So I'm like, okay, fine. I said, I'll adjust my practice accordingly, and I left it at that. So six months later, now, as an RMT, I am not on social media. I Google my name regularly. I had a woman call me out of the blue telling me she some bullshit story about how she was coming to bear and she needed an RMT. So I'm like, oh, this is someone undercover. I had two people come undercover to my office and ask me to do acupuncture. Oh, they wanted to make sure you had stopped practicing. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. And I mean, so, yep. So at first a lady came. I refused to do acupuncture. Then about six months later, a guy came and, you know, he obviously asked me to do acupuncture. I said, no, I'm sorry. I don't do acupuncture anymore. And so both of them reported to the college. Well, then they said an investigator. So then, you know, when you get investigated, you don't get warning. So someone just shows up at your office, shoves papers in your face and starts going through all your stuff. And so basically that investigation took almost a year. Um, The college was compiling information for probably almost two years against me. And they gave me less than 30 days to defend myself, to compile my own case, which was over the Christmas and New Year's holiday last year. So that case was finally closed in April. And then July of this year, I get investigated for uh, improper billing and record keeping practices (laughs) and providing the college with misinformation. And of course, they choose the exact same investigator who is supposed to be an unbiased third party, which she is definitely not. Um, So... I was taking a month off because that is one of the things that I needed to do for myself. So I went to Europe last year and took uh, five full weeks off my practice. And if you remember me saying in 22 years, I only took seven weeks off. And five of them were all last year. All right. Yeah. uh, yeah. (laughs) So I mean, yeah, because I kind of went through my career and thought, okay, 22 years, how many weeks off? Oh, I've only had seven weeks off in 22 years. Um, So last year, so from the end of September to the end of October, I actually took five weeks off and which 
which was one of like, you know, just mentally after that investigation, I was already like near a breakdown. And then to get investigated again, I'm like, oh my God, like this is the last thing I need in my life. Did your investigations end up going to discipline? No. No. So the first investigation uh, ended in April and it actually wasn't until probably I got back from Europe at the end of October that the college actually sent me back my files and called me and said, you know, this investigation's like officially closed and here's your files back and let's move on. But of course, I was already under investigation for the second investigation for the billing and record keeping. Mm-hmm. But the what lady... Was the, what was the billing thing about? Well, that's what I'm in right now. So... Uh, Can you talk about it or no? So basically, like, improper billing. Like, if someone comes in one day, like, you know, prior to my vacation, <laughs> I would say my life was a bit of a mess. My personal life, I'm kind of like a scatterbrain all over the place. And because I work by myself in my own office, no one else sees my clients, same clients for 20 years, I am not, I was not diligent with record keeping, billing practices. I mean, I would forget to bill people for two months. Be like, okay. oh shit, I forgot to bill that person. And I bill them two months later. Gotcha. Which is obviously not what we're supposed to do. Or if you're seeing a family, it's like, oh, I saw the mom and dad today, but then they dropped off the kids and I had already billed the parents. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just credit the parents the next time they come in and bill their kids. You know, shit Mm. like that. That I'm sure other RMTs do that we don't talk about because that's just real life. And should I do it? No. But did I do it? Yes. So this investigator, so they assign the exact same investigator. So she's supposed to be an impartial third party. So she comes and interviews me after I get back from holidays And so it's about a week after I get back. So the acupuncture investigation is closed, according to the college. This interview with this investigator took over three hours. And the last half hour of it was still questioning on me on the acupuncture investigation. Mm. And I said, and I actually told her, I said, like, this pisses me off. I said, this investigation's closed. Why are you still questioning me on it? Oh, I just want to clarify things on a closed investigation. Mm -hmm. So how are you an unbiased third party? if you're still hammering me for 30 minutes on something that is irrelevant. Yeah. So that kind of pissed me off. But anyways, so yeah, this is, which is why I took the course uh, with Mark was the record keeping uh, course because there are things that, you know, after being registered 23 years, working on your own, you do get slack with some things and your paperwork is not as diligent as it should be. Mine was like really non-existent to be honest. So, and I know there's probably a lot of RMTs cringing, but when you do not work with anybody else and I work alone every day and you see the same people every week, every two weeks for 20 years, I know them, but I understand from, you know, my professionalism and where I'm supposed to be at and what I'm supposed to be doing, taking the course really Like, honestly, since I've taken the course, all my paperwork's been done. All my billing has been done to spec. Everything's been done 100%. Because also, too, to keep, I don't know what the repercussions with the college is going to be. I don't know what the consequences are. I don't know if it's going to be suspending my license, losing my license, being fined, whatever the case may be. I need to prove that I can, you know, be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And taking the course, I, I said to Mark at the end of it, it's like, oh my God, that was like eight hours and I wasn't bored to death. Like that was great. <laughs> because for me, you know, paperwork is not my deal. I'm a hands-on, which is why I opted to take the course in person because I am not an online person. I don't get anything out of online. Like I need to be interacting with human beings. Like that's just my style. That's I how I am. I have a question about CMTO investigations. Sure. I've never been under investigation. I don't know anyone personally who has. So oh, wow. how 
how okay let's start with the acupuncture one yeah like i understand you know you did your reporting to say that this is a modality you practice mm-hmm. they sent two people i guess to yeah. sort of test you and make mm-hmm. sure that you weren't offering yep. it why did they decide to go forward with such a long investigation if you know you had full out said you're not doing it the one lady that they sent said that at my, her next visit that I was going to perform acupuncture, which was a flat out lie. I was so pissed. It was like ridiculous. Like she, number one, out of anyone that I ever did acupuncture to, I would never, ever have performed acupuncture on a first visit. Even if it was a, like, if it was a client that I'd seen for a couple of years, I would only ever, if you were in a car accident, if you had major injury, if I felt it was, ne- if you just said, oh, I've got a tight neck and back, would you do acupuncture? Well, no, because I'm going to try massage first. So here she is walking into my clinic who I know is undercover and she flat out says, oh, will you do acupuncture? And I say no. And then she goes on to say how I was going to do it at the next visit. Mm. And then the guy they sent, (laughs) this is unbelievable, but I have a portable air conditioner in my office. So my office is attached to the house and there was a window in my office. So I had this portable air conditioner going through this window into a vent in the house and he wrote in his report that I must be videotaping my clients because outside of my office at my front desk, I have a screen and I have video cameras to protect my property. So it has the driveway, my back parking lot. And he said that I must have closed circuit TV cameras videotaping my conversations. So that was a whole nother issue to deal. I like, I cannot even tell anyone the stress. I, I just couldn't believe it. So in my defense for myself, I had every client I could write me a a character letter and anyone that I had ever done acupuncture to when I did the acupuncture, um, all that kind of stuff. And that's why that nothing came of it. There was no discipline for it or anything. So then how do they, how do they then, I guess, flag you, whatever the terminology is about the record keeping? Was it because Because of the improper billing? Whenever whenever they investigate you, one of the first things they do is is rifle through your records. Right. So that's right. why whenever you Got see it. someone that's had a complaint against them and it goes to the point of an investigation, they all get dinged for records. Yeah, 100%. right. Because, and like she said, because there's no warning. It's somebody just shows up. So if your records are well, not tip top shape. It depends on why you're being investigated. So for example, if there's a complaint against you, you are informed that there's a complaint against you. Got it. Right. Okay. Well, now you're not, gonna, you're not informed that we're sending investigators up. Yeah, no, Most of the time they don't do that. There was definitely no right? informing me but if there is a complaint, you are informed that there's a complaint against you. This is what it is. And then they give you, I can't remember how many days, uh, the ability to respond to the complaint. Now, if it's not coming from a complaint, which sounds like the acupuncture thing, that's a whole other story. They can just right? show up at your doorstep. Then All they right. decide for whatever reason, and I'm assuming, I don't know, like maybe I got to go back and read shit, but I'm assuming then they just kind of, well, they now carry on their investigation, which by the way, is costly as fuck. Yeah. Those things are not fucking cheap. Whenever the college starts on this, this, this investigation role, and then especially if it leads down to the point of discipline it gets costly so fucking fast yeah. and everyone's Mark's been going to uh, sit in on discipline hearings lately oh, just it's to insane. see what's going on it's yeah insane. i mean for me it's like it's you know i this is the exact same investigator so she's already been to my office multiple times and i mean you know for anyone out there listening i mean you listen to an hour podcast imagine being interrogated for three three and a half hours in one shot and there is no let up 
Like it is just question after question after question. And she sits there and types and types and types. And I mean, so I've been through this multiple times already. She probably spent 10 hours at my office. And for the second investigation, I said to her, like, do we really need to sit down for three, three and a half hours to go over these questions that you already know the answer to? Because you already know from the previous investigation that my records are not up to date, that my billing is all over the place. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's necessary. And I know it's tough. But I said to her, from a cost effective point of view, I already know that there is fault to be Hat. Yeah, but she also has to create a whole report to take back to yeah. the uh, I will tell you, she is still working on the report. <laughs> I was interviewed my first week of November. So with my previous investigation for the acupuncture, probably same timeline, but I had already by this time sent my response back to the college. This She has not even finished her report yet because she phoned one of my clients and questioned her for 12 minutes on the phone, mm. which I think is a very long time to ask someone, how long have you been seeing Teresa? And when was your last massage? And how long are you massaged? 12 minutes is a long time to be questioned. And of course, my poor client was more mortified, although I did inform my clients what was going on and they may be contacted. There was one family in particular that she is just prying apart and they've been clients since 1998. And so, and I mean, there was nothing done wrong, not no improper billing, anything like that. But it was just, she just for some reason is really picking on this family. And like I've been seeing the husband, the wife and the kids while well, their kids since they were probably eight years old or whatever the case may be. And now they're like 16, 17. But it's so here she is two months later and she already knows I've, I've talked to her and I said, like, financially, like this is going to cost me. I don't even know how many thousands of dollars because there's no way I'm not going to be found guilty because I already know my record keeping and billing is shit mm. so i said to her are they investigating when it comes down to financial records is like how you're doing your financial records or are they are they looking into fraud no do I, I don't think so it's more my remember when i asked you about the appointment books mm -hmm. so she wanted five years worth of my appointment books right. which i do not have my point appointment books are all in pencil and paper mm -hmm. nothing is done on a computer nothing is computerized so all my appointment books are pencil and paper. She And she took them and be like, and she took all my receipts from my debit credit machine and she was like, okay, well, you have this person booked in this day, but then, you know, you build them this day and there's no file for gotcha. them. Okay. So it's just basically about cross-referencing and proper billing practices. And I, like I said, I was all over the place because when I work for myself and I see the same people over and over, my billing was, I literally, there would be times like, oh my God, I forgot to bill that person like two months ago. And, you know, we all know the online billing system. You can only go back 30 days. So you kind of just got to bill it and, and go with it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, totally bad on my part. You know, not going to say that I'm not at fault because I don't want to say I was lazy, but definitely I don't I don't know what the term is. I just had a lot of other bullshit going on in my life that I would I use the term overwhelming. And that's why I took five weeks off. I mean, I was at a point where I had had a lot of stressful things in my life. And, you know, being with someone who was extremely abusive mentally, emotionally, you know, in and out of jail all the time. And once I got that person out of my life, it was like I could like start working on my own life. And I was just in a really, I would say, bad place emotionally, mentally. And I know the new Strive program, when I looked at some of the the things, it was like, that is definitely the area that has plagued my life where I was mentally, emotionally, and I didn't even realize it because I drowned myself in work. Mm. But that part of my life that suffered was the business part 
of my life where the billing, the record keeping, charting, all that kind of stuff, that's where I fell apart. I don't think any of my clients would even know anything was wrong in my personal life because when I'm at work, I'm at work. And I was there for them. I'm not there to complain about my own life or, you know, (laughs) if you've been in a bad relationship or a bad, you know, home life situation, like you just have to go on with your day. Well, and also um, just to tack on to that, your clients wouldn't have known anything was wrong because the need to be busy all the time is actually, in fact, a trauma response. You're avoiding something in your life that you'd be faced with if you slowed down and lived your life. So you were just piling on work and clients and clients and clients. Absolutely. You know, when my mom passed away, you know, I took one day off work. Like I left the office the day my mom passed away. I took one day off and then I went back to work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me, like that's, I, I, you know, if you want to say your coping mechanism, I'm not a, well, I mean, I used to drink a long time ago, but it's like, I'm not a drinker. I'm not a smoker. I don't do drugs. I don't do anything. I mean, I either used to go pump iron in the gym. I used to play sports or I just really became a chronic workaholic. And that's how I dealt with it. I, I pushed my focus onto other people and helping other people. And it was like, you know, being in my office was the only thing that kept me sane because I could focus on other people and not myself. And then, you know, nighttime comes and you have your own shitty life to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and that's what I said to the investigator. I said, you know what? I said, like, at the end of the day, I can't, I can't make records appear. I can't take back what I've done. All I can do is get better. And when Mark, when I took the course, he said, are you here voluntarily? And I said, yes, absolutely. Because I knew when I got back from taking five weeks off what I needed to do for myself. And I did implement some things into my office to keep me on track. So, I mean, I was very spoiled working at a multidisciplinary clinic where someone else pulled my files all day. Someone else used to change my sheets. I had four secretaries. And basically all I did was hands-on all day and everybody else took care of everything else. So now the last five years working on my own, I have definitely drop the ball in certain areas because I've always had it done for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, I, I don't love paperwork. Definitely. There's, <laughs> I don't think you become an RMT for the paperwork. Well, yeah, there's definitely days like Mark can attest to it where if I have, let's say four or five people back to back, then at the end of the day, I've got the four or five files sitting here because I haven't done them yet. And I'm like, fuck. And then I got to do all four or five at the same time. Yeah. And it's not fun, but um, I will say, because Mark asked about fraud. So obviously, as you said, it's not that they were so much concerned about fraud, but I'm sure that's a question in the back of their head because that's something that I tell clients all the time. You know, when you get those clients who say, oh, I'm out of insurance, can you bill my husband? And I tell them, no, I can't. And I, 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 one, just tell them, one, that is fraud. Like we'd both be in trouble. But I said, not only that, let's say that, you know, you and I were to do this and keep it hush, hush. No, I said, my appointment book has to match my receipt has to match my yeah. files for that day. Everything has to line up. Otherwise, there might be a question of yeah. why doesn't this and match? I mean, and sometimes for- when, it, it's, when it seems fraud, it's not even a real deal. Like I know a dude, he's a, he's a one-man show. He's everything. He's he's a registered massage therapist. He's a registered physiotherapist. He's a doctor of chiropractic. And so when the insurance sees one patient billed by one person for, and he does acupuncture as well, yep. one patient being billed four different services on the same day by the same person it looks with, these, with these overlapping scopes practice they're like what the fuck and he's under investigation yeah yeah, because they had a four-hour appointment right (laughs) like really if you're doing chiro physio massage acupuncture i mean that's like uh that's like a three-hour appointment right 
But no, I mean, I think, you know, in the investigative paperwork, fraud wasn't mentioned. It was billing, record keeping and misrepresenting information to the college. Um, Yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, yes, I mean, there are definitely my appointment book doesn't match up with the receipts given because like I said, there are date and I mean, I do not have a receipts program. I use a spreadsheet. I print them off as I need them. They're not numbered. So I mean, there's just things that since I've taken the record keeping course and since I've taken time off, I have certainly completely changed my office to where now it's like I do my files every single day. I print my billing off. It goes in the person's file. It matches my book. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, when you work by yourself, I mean, if my client shows up and says, oh, but you're going to see my daughter today and say, I mean, I don't care who shows up. As long as someone's filling the spot, if I see a family and I've been seeing them for 20 years, I don't give a crap who shows up. I yeah, mean, that's something that I'm actually like super diligent about now because I have a lot of families as well. Yeah. And I'm like you where I don't yeah. I don't see a lot of random people. Yeah. It's all referral based because I've had the same clients for majority of my career. And there's multiple times where the wife will book an appointment and the husband shows up and I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, she couldn't make it. But, yeah. you know, we didn't want to screw you over. So yeah. I'm taking her spot. And I mean, I even even had families like I mean, sometimes coworkers and where I've had guys that commute down to Toronto. Oh, I can't make my appointment. So so and so is going to show up. And if I've already done the billing that day, because sometimes I would I would bill ahead of time because you don't know if they're going to be out of coverage, if you're going to cover 80% and that person has to pay you. So I would always bill it ahead of time. Now I always bill it after because then the problem there is I've billed someone say an hour before their appointment and it's someone else who shows up. Yeah, so yeah, now I, I never I, did that for right. that reason. So you it's never like know. now <laughs> am I going back on the system? Am I going to avoid it? Am I, and it's like, oh my God. And you know, when you're not in a super great, you know, headspace and, you know, your attitude is like, well, fuck it. Like, I really don't care right now. Like, it's not the best attitude to have. And I, you know, when the new strive requirements came out and I was reading and it's like, you know, taking care of your own mental health, physical well-being, emotional well-being. And I really when we went to school, we used to have a whole course on self-care. And I think when you just get in the mode of massaging you know, a million people and you're just in it, in it, in it, in it, you really do put yourself on the back burner. And yeah. I didn't even realize until all this shit happened how much of a mess I was. Because, I mean, no one would ever be like, oh, you know, Teresa, she's depressed or she has anxiety. Or she-. I mean, there are people who come to me just to be around me. They're like, oh my God, I, I just, like, I would literally have people call me like, I just need to talk to you. I just need to be around you. I just need to have your energy. Like, how do you, like, most people know me as like a super hyper person. I'm I would super- never guess. <laughs> 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 never. I mean, you know, and I'm always like, man, day. you should have seen me when I was 25, you know? I literally used to have people ask me what I was on. You're like a fucking energizer bunny. Yeah, Just and I was like, like, actually, she hasn't around. stopped moving, has barely stopped talking, <laughs> and she forgot her coffee in the car. I'd hate to see this woman on caffeine. She'd be bouncing off our well, goddamn walls. Know, ba- back in the day, people would be like, what are you on? And I'm like, ooh, caffeine in life. I don't know. But I mean, I really didn't think back then that they actually thought I was probably like on drugs. But I mean, I've never done them because I probably just never needed them. But I mean, I would say so many people come to me because I'm like, a force of energy, you know, and it's like I my life has been around the fact that I want to make people feel better. And I mean, I torture people. I mean, like I'm not going to say people don't cry or like whine or leave bruised or whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, 
I it's like about being around people and making them feel better. And, you know, I always think, oh, no matter how shitty my day is, maybe one of my clients has a shittier day or has like a special needs son or has, you know, something going on in their life. And I'm like, oh, my God, bitch, like stop complaining, you know, but it's my job to put my energy into them for that hour, because honestly, in some people's lives, I'm like the only person they have to vent to or the only person they have to talk to. And it's like, you can be that little bit of positivity, you know, in like a pretty, you know, I think most people it's, I mean, I look at my life and I think, oh my God, like I got nothing to complain about. I work from home. I make decent money. You know, I took a month off. What's the, what's the biggest challenge? Not the biggest challenge. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened working from home? Cause I imagine working having from home. Having someone have a heart attack on my table and Whoa. having to call an ambulance, having six paramedics in my office. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, again, I have seen a lot of serious cases. I have everything from uh, clients with like MS, um, you know, Parkinson's, cystic fibrosis, cerebral palsy. I mean, I, you know, when I had to call an ambulance, my sister's like, oh, Teresa, how many times in your career have you had to call an ambulance? How many times have you had to call uh, an Probably three that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, tell me, tell me the heart attack one. <laughs> I've had two heart attack ones. When I was a student, I had someone have a grand mal seizure. I actually had to call an ambulance for a guy who was in so much pain, he passed out on my table. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had... From, quite your, a, from your torture? Uh, no, he had, no, he had hurt his back at <laughs> I'm work. Kidding, got I'm cleared kidding. by the doctor, was on some pain meds. It was only a 30-minute massage. He went to turn over after 15 minutes, couldn't move, passed out, had to call his wife. She was so mad. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'll come pick you up. I'll drive you to the hospital. She's like, my husband is such a wimp. <laughs> I felt so bad for the guy. He's still a client to this day, so don't worry. <laughs> but no, uh, heart Mark's attack. face right now is just so, like, I don't know what, where to look. I don't yeah, know what to think. <laughs> so heart attack on my table was a client who was an MVA, uh, got dropped off by a taxi because she wasn't driving, a little bit elderly, like I would say late 60s, German, didn't speak good English. Um, and she walked into my office. And as soon as she walked in, I was like, dude, like you look like shit. Like I need, to, I like right away, I want to call an ambulance because mm -hmm. she looked that ill to me. She's like, no, no, don't call an ambulance. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just need to go to the bathroom, fresh up. But so she's sitting on my chair beside my desk. And I was like, you know what? I think I really need to call you an ambulance because she had taken a cab. So she had no purse, no ID, no cell phone, no nothing. Mm. Um, and I'm going to tell you because my records were not up to date. I did not have a someone to call I figured it out but I will tell you how that happened so she ends up almost passing out so I catch her I'm keeping her up with my left hand I can reach my phone with my right hand I call 911 um, my office is very difficult to find so they went to the wrong house so I had to <laughs> I eventually got her on my table got her in the recovery position covered her up with blankets um, they find, found their way to my office and, uh, I was like, okay, now how do I contact her daughter? I knew her daughter had just sold a house. My aunt is a real estate agent. I called my aunt. I said, can you figure out who their real estate agent was? Get a hold of the daughter, get them to contact me. And by the time my client woke up at the hospital, her daughter was there. Mm. So That's I mean, creativity. I, yeah. hey, when you got to figure it out, you got to figure it out. Um, so yeah, I had another lady uh, have a heart Everything attack. Everything went okay with that? Yeah, man, she's fine. Totally fine. Oh yeah, no, none of my clients have like, <laughs> they're all good. Uh, we had a lady have a seizure on a table. I was a physio student at the time and I hooked her up to electrical current and she did not write on her case history that she had epilepsy. Mm. So as soon as I turned on the electric current, she had a grand mal seizure. 
That was very exciting. Also had another lady uh, have a heart attack who didn't know she was having a heart attack. I was fortunate enough to work at a huge clinic at the time and be right beside the urgent care clinic. I got her over there, called her husband. She had a heart attack and she's fine to this day. I had another guy, I will tell you, who, if I wouldn't have sent him to the hospital, had two hours to live. Right. I was telling you we this We were story talking last about night. this because I have a similar story. I'm going to let you tell yours first mm-hmm. because when Mark told me, I said, whoa, I had all, something, somewhat of the opposite happen. So yeah. I, want, I want you to tell so your story first. I had a gentleman who was a police officer and he broke his leg arresting someone. It was his lower leg. I had gone once to his house to treat him. He was obviously a regular client. His wife was a regular client. So I felt comfortable enough going to their house when he wasn't able to drive. So he eventually, he calls me on a Saturday, last minute. It was already the end of my day. And I was like, oh, he's like, Teresa, I'm in so much pain. He's like, my back is killing me. So I'm like, dude, it's probably from the crutches. Like, come on in. I could not get him to lay on the table. He was in too much pain. So we tried forwards. We tried backwards. And I was like, dude, I'm like, there is some bad shit going on. I said, now I felt like a dick, you know, like a total dick after because I made him get in his car and drive. But uh, I said, you need to go to a walk-in clinic or you need to go to merge like right now. Like, I don't know what's going on, but there is something going on. And I had asked him when I went to his house if they had put him on blood thinners. And he said, no. Now as a cop, he was probably six foot two in great shape probably 15% body fat, like really health conscious. And he said, no, the do- the surgeon said that I was in good enough shape that I didn't need blood thinners. And I was like, oh, well, that's funny. You broke your lower leg. Like that's where blood clots are formed. But anyways, what do I know? So that day I sent him off and I said, okay, like you need to go walk a clinic, hospital, whatever. So the next day was Sunday. I called his wife and I said, hey, so-and-so, like how's your husband doing? Well, she starts bawling and she said that by the time he got to the hospital, they put him in emergency surgery. He had two hours to live. That 75% of his lung tissue was blood clots. And they had to put a stint from like to his heart, to his brain, so that he didn't get, you know, have a stroke from all the clots. And he's Fucking fine to this crazy. day. I just ran into him a little while ago. They told him he would never work out again, never do anything. And he's doing bodybuilding shows. Wow. So, but you know, it was so funny because if he hadn't come to me, I know there was another therapist that he used to go to in town that um, when I wasn't available, that was kind of his emergency backup. And I had said to him, it was Saturday afternoon. I said, no, buddy, like, just come and see me. I'll squeeze you in like no problem. And I know for a fact that that massage therapist wouldn't have touched his back and she just would have put a heating pad on his back for an hour. And I'm like, because he's told me that's kind of, he goes, oh, if I'm really sore, she won't touch the area. She just throws a heating pad on. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I'm thinking, well, he probably would have died on her table. So, I mean, I have had so many cases where I get people kind of at their wits end and where they're like, I've been to five other therapists and I can't, you know, whatever. And it's like, I just think if you know your shit, you know your shit. And it's like, I, I get clients and I'm like, how could someone treat you? for X amount of treatments and not fully understand what was going on. Mm. What was your story? What's well, your mine, story? Um, so it was fairly early in my career. I was a fairly green therapist, like within the first three years, I would say. And I had a client who was a regular. She would come see me. I want to say she was probably 
twice a month, she would come in, not for anything in particular, just because uh, she was a pretty athletic person. Uh, she had actually climbed mountains. Like she was a very, very athletic person. So she'd come in a couple times a month um, just for any type of overall aches, pains, like nothing, nothing particular. Um, she also loved to travel. So usually she'd come see me a day or two before getting on a plane that she would book like randomly last minute. She'd book a trip somewhere somewhere exotic and just go, you know, and always by herself. This this woman was incredible to me. Um, so she had called me and said, any chance you can squeeze me in? It was like a Thursday. Uh, any chance you can squeeze me in tonight? Because I think she was leaving either the Friday or the Saturday to go to, I want to say it was like Costa Rica or something. And I said, okay, sure, I can get you in tonight. So she came in after work. And I said, what's the problem? She's like, I'm having this pain in my calf. Like it's <laughs> fucking killing me. Yeah. And like I said, she was fairly athletic and I'd been treating her long enough that I knew her body and when I like when I look at that picture of you like she was also she was she was a beast right like she did not have small calves I don't have small calves but she far far surpassed me in calf size okay so I start feeling around I'm asking her you know what's going on and she's describing it to me now it was so many years ago I don't exactly remember her description but even as she was telling me I'm like this doesn't sound like she kept saying there's a knot in my calf and I was like no no, something doesn't seem right. So I actually tr- attempted doing Holman's test on her, which was really fucking hard. She looked at the size of my hands. And like I said, her calves were <laughs> enormous, but I did it. And I was like, I don't feel good about this. I said, I'm not treating your legs. I said, I think you should probably go see your doctor. There is a chance. Obviously, I can't diagnose this. There's a chance that you have a blood clot. Mm-hmm. She said, OK, you know, noted kind of. I wasn't really pushy enough with her. What which happened for the rest of them? I'm, I'm gonna, oh, um, so because she wanted came in for her legs and yeah. I said, no, I'm not comfortable, whatever. And she said, can you just do some work on my neck? Okay. I think I did like a 30 minute treatment mm-hmm. on her neck before yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. And I said to her, before you get on that plane, please go see your doctor. So turns out she called me a couple weeks later. She did not go see her doctor. She got on the plane, oh, blood clot my. dislodged on the plane into her lungs. But because she had my voice in her head when she landed, she took herself straight to emerge. Thank God. When she came to see me next, she said, yeah, maybe I should have listened to you. I'm like, you fucking think but after that I was really shaken because I felt like should I have been like more firm with her I wasn't 100% sure what I was finding but I I just had a a case like this a few months ago and you know I know you see a lot of husband wife combos and this was a husband wife combo and the husband had come in and he said oh well you know my wife she's having like uh, she's got a sore leg now Obviously, I see this person, not a, I wouldn't say a regular basis, maybe like a handful of times a year, but I know her like it's been five years. You see her so many times a year, really petite, like maybe 100 pounds, not athletic at all, no muscle tone. And she works for a company that sees a lot of athletes. And so a sports medicine doctor looked at her leg and said it was a pulled muscle. So she comes in. I touch her leg. I'm like, mm, definitely not a pulled muscle. So she goes, well, I was standing on a ladder and I was doing some pain. I'm like, no. Nah. I said, you need to go to the doctors. I said, I'm not touching your leg because, you know, as an RMT, if you work with your hands enough hours a day, you're going to know the difference between when you touch someone and it's, there's, there's no like tight muscle feeling. I just like, no, you need to go. And she had an ultrasound. She had a blood clot. 
and she's only 20 something years old. Mm. Yeah. And you're talking to someone who's not athletic. I mean, I, I honestly could go over case after case. Like there was a sports doctor that I wrote a letter to and I had a trainer fired at a local college because of how they were treating one of my clients and basically saying she needed to go have her legs split open. She needed emergency surgery. The mother called me crying and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was, the mother's like bawling. They're like, oh my God, they're telling me my daughter needs her leg cut open and that she needs to go have this surgery and it's an emergency. And I was like, whoa. I said, what condition does your daughter have? She said, anterior compartment syndrome. Well, I mean, I don't know if anyone doesn't know what anterior compartment syndrome is, but that's basically, you know, tibialis anterior, the fascia, you know, is restricting the muscle. She was a volleyball player, rugby player. Her feet would kind of go numb. And so me and the sports med doctor got in a pissing match. And basically she went to Ottawa, had needles stuck in her legs, got on a treadmill. And the surgeon was like, you're fine. Like you do not need surgery. So I had already wrote the sports med doctor saying like, if you don't know what anterior compartment syndrome is, which I mind blown that he didn't know what it was. I actually had the trainer fired because I wrote her a letter and she was bawling her eyes out in front of my client. Cause I'm like, how can you tell a client you need to go as soon as your legs go numb, you need to get to emerge and go have your legs split open. I mean, this girl's like 18 years old for anterior compartment syndrome. I was like, the mother was a regular of mine and so was the daughter. And I just said, come in, let me treat her. After six treatments, she was fine. And now she's a grown woman who has no problems to this day. Well, it's interesting because we work in the type of profession that we spend so much time with our clients. And like you mm -hmm. said, we we use our hands. So I had a client, uh, she was in her early 70s that I, again, I would see her fairly regularly. And she had come in um, on the recommendation of her doctor for uh, tight hip flexors. Mm -hmm. And she, like I said, she's a body that I'd worked on a few times. And so I was working on her and I'm, you know, just palpating stuff. And I I actually sent her back to the doctor for some imaging. I said, you actually have very swollen lymph nodes in that area. Like it was all, her inguinal area. Like it was, I said, you, you have swollen lymph nodes. You should go get this checked out. Which is bizarre. And, and so she went back and she came, uh, she wrote me an email uh, a couple days later and she said, I just wanted to let you know that you were right. It was swollen lymph nodes. It ended up turning out like she's fine. There was nothing there was serious, nothing, but, but it wasn't that she had tight hip flexor. She had these swollen lymph nodes and it was just nobody had touched her. Right. Well, even like I get so many clients who require surgery, hip replacements, knee replacements, all kinds of things. And um, I remember I had a client quite a few years ago and he worked for my brother. My oldest brother had a, a big shop and this guy calls me. I knew him, obviously. And he called me crying. Like you have to imagine a 60 year old man crying on the phone saying, you know, Teresa, I don't have any any coverage left. I'm being laid off of work. I'm in so much pain. I've got a note from the doctor. I've been to physio three times a week for three weeks. And he's like, they say I have sciatica. And I said, you know what? Just come in. I said, I'm going to book you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm going to see you half an hour each day. Don't worry about the money. I don't give a crap. Just come and see me. So he comes in the one day. I get the doctor's referral, says sciatica. I know the doctor too, because he used to be one of my massage patients. So I'm like, okay, well, that's what he says it is. So who am I to, to say any different? So I went over his symptoms. But he was, you know, super frail, came in walking with a cane, and he could not get on the table. So I sat him in a chair. I said, okay, well, let me do this, this, and this, you know, because that's for sciatica. He comes, you know, he felt better. So he comes in the next day and I said, how long did you feel better for? He goes, honestly, only about 20 minutes. He goes, and then the pain was back again. And he had already been to physio three times a week for three weeks. I'm like, okay. So then the third day he came in, 
And I said, how were you? He said, honestly, I'm in so much pain. Like I can't, I said, listen, you're going to go to the hospital. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to lay on the floor and cry. I said, you are not leaving that hospital until you get looked at. I never saw him again because that Monday he was diagnosed with cancer and his kidneys were functioning at 10% and he had bone cancer in his spine. And so to me, I just don't understand that as a therapist, we all know if someone comes in with sciatica, we're checking A, B, C. And if A and B don't equal C, then it's not fucking sciatica. And so in my own mind, I said, like, how did he go to physio for three weeks, three times a week, and no one could say ultrasound isn't working, IFC isn't working, this isn't working, there's no progression, because you know, as a therapist, hands on, if I see someone three times a week for three weeks, you should at least have some type of change. Well, tell and if someone just says, I'm worse, I'm worse, I'm worse, I'm worse, then you have to send them for further investigation. Because he went to the physio, the physio did the initial assessment, made the treatment plan and passed it off to the physio assistant who does everything else. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, there has to be some value to client feedback to say, I'm not any better, I'm worse. And after three half hour treatments, because I saw him the three days in a row, I was like, dude, like, I don't know what to tell you, but this, like, as far as I'm concerned, it ain't sciatica. I said, I don't know what it is. And then he ended up passing away a couple of years later. But it was like, you know, I just felt so bad that, you know, so much time was wasted at physio and you get nowhere. But I mean, I could just tell you countless cases where, you know, people come in. And I think as a therapist, if you really know your stuff and you know the human body and how it's supposed to function, like, you know, and it's so funny because I know when we talked at your record keeping course, like when you said you're as good as your records, it's like, man, it really made me feel like shit because I'm like, I know I'm one of the best therapists I know hands on. Mm-hmm. I know I get those people who have been to five other therapists who say I've been to five other people. I've been to this person, and I can't figure it out. And then if I can figure it out for someone. And then that's why, you know, with my record keeping, I thought like, fuck, like, you know, I am a good therapist. I do know my shit. I have helped thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, my record keeping doesn't reflect what I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. And I always say like, I'm good. People, you know, people would call it, oh, are you a good massage therapist? No, I'm the best massage therapist. I know I know my shit, you know? And that's why now it's like, since, you know, getting my paperwork back together, I'm like, okay, like, you know what? I even need to be a little bit more diligent because I am a good therapist and I do know my shit and I have helped a lot of people and people that it's like, oh, I've been to five other therapists and they can't figure out my neck pain. And I'm the only one who has um, pharmaceutical books and I looked up their medication and one of the side effects is neck pain. Mm. So I was like, how have you been to five other therapists and not one of them bothered to research your medications and to find out the side effects? So I, I used to keep these huge pharmaceutical... How that happens. What'd you say? I can see how that happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, I get, you know, I you know one of my, my favorite ones is my chiropractor says that my leg is, you know, shorter than the other one. I'm like, oh my God, let's go over this. <laughs> you don't have one bone shorter than the other one. But I mean, it's like, case after case after case and I mean you know back in the day I was really great with my record keeping and like I said I've been to court multiple times for MVA clients and as a therapist that is probably I'm going to say one of the scariest things you could ever do as an RMT is go to court what makes it scary um well I think well back this is this case closed back in 2014 2015 I think 
Um, and I was the main witness because I was the guy's main therapist. I had been his previous therapist, like his therapist previous to the accident, all during the accident. And um, to be the main witness, not a chiropractor, not a physio, not a anybody, and to be put on the stand a couple days in a row and, you know, his own lawyer, he, it was State Farm that was not wanting to settle with him. And, you know, they always bring up the, you must be sleeping with your client because of something I wrote in my file. Which was? It, if you it, 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 was a, it was a minor comment, and I'm sure every RMT has done this, where someone says, oh, I, I had to stop my car and get out and stretch. Or you write maybe what something, you know, oh, I was at hockey practice and I, I kinked my back. And you write that in your file that, oh, they did this. So I had written comments about when he was doing a road trip to Sudbury and how he had to keep getting out of the car and had to keep... So you wrote notes based on personal information that right. he gave you. I do that right. all the time. So of course, but they asked me if I was in the car with him. I was like, no, his wife and children were in the car with him because it was her parents who lived in Sudbury. Like, it, but they, and it was the lawyer. He said, I'm not really supposed to tell you this, but they're kind of going like, and I'm really close with my clientele, not that close, but I mean, I would say I have a really good relationship with my clients and you know, my personality. I don't know if maybe they, like, I'm just, I, I, I was just so pissed. I just, like for me, 23 years of my life have been helping people and to have it twisted into that because of how I looked maybe, like they're like, oh, look at her, you know, of course, and how I looked when I was in really great shape and the blonde hair and the whatever. And it's like, I would get judged on how I looked and I was like, fuck you. So I... I mean, my client was awarded $1.2 million because when you know your stuff, and at that time they gave me my files, everything was printed out, all my records, and I explained everything and went over, and this was in front of a jury. And, you know, it was just to know that your credibility is on the stand, that your education is on the stand, that your knowledge and understanding of the human body is on the stand. If you don't know your shit, that client's going down. And so for my client to be awarded that and that lawyer from State Farm got fired, it was like a win. <laughs> so I would hate to do that. Yeah. I would but I don't do know. That. I don't know any other RMTs that have had to go to court. I mean, I don't think anyone would love to do that. That was a stupid thing that I just no, said. No one would love to do that. <laughs> Please no, let no me go to no. court. And, you know, the, the other lawyer, their job is to make you look not credible right oh, that 100%. is that's their job so they're going to make you look like you know the blonde bombshell rmt that's sleeping with her clients of course they are uh yeah i mean not to say i haven't been asked out a million times but <laughs> it's like what's oh, the what's the weirdest way you've ever been asked out um i would actually say by a female <laughs> asking if she could borrow my cd <laughs> Because she had like a date with some chick and asked if I wanted to join. What? <laughs> I want details. <laughs> she was actually referred. She was actually referred to me by one of my male clients. So a regular of one of my male, and it was just a friend. It wasn't his girlfriend, or and it was like completely the first time she'd ever been in. Didn't know her from a hole in the ground, and she said something about, "Oh, I really like this CD. Could I borrow it from you?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, that's good. no one's ever asked to borrow a CD before." But I'm like, "Okay, sure, random stranger, take yeah, my of music, course, right?" <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, uh, okay, "I guess she's well, not an online person either." Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like back in the day. This is CD probably, says enough. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I still use a Carry CD on. in my office. <laughs> um, I do not have an iPhone. I don't have apps on my phone. I pay $15 a month for my plan because I do zero on my cell phone. So, 
<laughs> Spotify doesn't exist in my world. I still have a CD player. Um, anyway, so she asked to borrow your CD, yeah, which yeah. is weird in itself. Yes. Yeah. So she's like, oh, can I borrow that CD? I've got like uh, this hot date with this woman. And and then I was massaging her arm and I'll never forget. So we were like face to face and she goes, would you like to join us? I was like, uh, my boyfriend probably wouldn't like that. Oh, I mean, buddy, like I get all kinds. Like I have... Um, Swingers, they invite me out all the time. They know I have a boyfriend, mm-hmm. very committed to my well, boyfriend. Swingers, He's a great guy. Care. But yeah, they're they like, you know, anytime you want to come check it out, I'm like, I know where you're at. We're good. So, do they invite you to their house? Do they invite all you to the a time. party? What? All the time. Uh, no, there's a particular swingers club you can go to um, mm. that's in the area where I live. And, uh, but you know, some people, they just know, like, my personality is really open, easygoing. You know, I feel like swingers are nice people. Yeah, they are. And I they mean, it, it's a husband. <laughs> it, 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 you're, you're thought, you know, like I have really a funny. lot of husband and wife couples that come to see me and they're just like we knew from when we like I met them actually through an ex-boyfriend and they they started and they're like you know we just we could just tell you're an open person and you like and I'm not going to judge their lifestyle right and I'm like oh, I don't give a crap what you do as long as it's not involving me it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so I mean you want to talk about hearing stories I hear that those conversations are very interesting apparently there's a there's an area there's a there's a <laughs> <laughs> I was teaching in Ottawa and I don't know Ottawa very well. And so I was staying in, at an Airbnb in like some suburban area in Ottawa. And so everyone that was in the course was like, oh, what are you doing tonight after the course? Like, are you, cause you're not from Ottawa. So like, what are you planning on doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm staying way out in the suburb somewhere. And they're like, well, where are you staying? So I showed them on my GPS, on my my phone. And they're like, this is a major swinger neighborhood. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, drive around the neighborhood and see how many garage doors are half open. And oh, that's the invite. That's the invite. That's, that's the invite that we're swingers in in that neighborhood. We're can, swingers we, can, we just talk, can we just talk about that Airbnb for a moment? I, it has nothing to do with swingers, but that was the funniest thing. So, so when Mark had to go out to Ottawa, typically if he's traveling far, if he's going to, you know, Windsor or Sudbury or Ottawa, somewhere that's, you know, not an hour to two hours away from Toronto, myself and the kids will go with him. We'll make it a whole like, you know, mini getaway. Yeah, of course. Why not? Because that way he doesn't have to be by himself. But this was a one day course in Ottawa. So he was only gonna have to stay one night. So we're like, okay, whatever you go. I'm not really in the mood to do the <laughs> Ottawa drive. And um, so we thought the Little smart thing know. to do would be to get an Airbnb instead of a hotel to save some money, right? So him and I spent probably an hour online looking for an Airbnb that was close enough to where he was teaching, that was a good price, blah, blah, blah. But it was one of it was a type that it's like a room in a house, not the whole house, right? Because it was super cheap. So we assume, which was a stupid assumption. I don't know how Airbnb we don't know how works. it works. I've we don't use it a lot, right? I've only used it like maybe four <laughs> times in total. And usually, when and we every other time we it's with us because so usually we get, we get one that it's the whole house, right? So anyway, we I told him when we were booking, I said, "Now you realize this is a room in a house." But our assumption was that it would be decently private. Oh no, no. Okay, it was like a, a father and daughter that owned the house. They lived there and were just like hanging out in the living room that he had to walk through to get to his room. He shared the bathroom like with one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like it was essentially he was just going and living with this family. As soon as it says shared bathroom, I'm like, I clicked that filter. I didn't. Bathroom. <laughs> I wasn't expecting all. Th- it was really strange. I mean, like. I- <laughs> and the, oh, and there was no lock on the bedroom door. He calls me. No, there was like, no lock on the bathroom. Oh, no lock door. on the bathroom. That was it. He calls me. And he's like, there's. Oh, no, sorry. It was not a shared bathroom. See, I'm lying. It was his own bathroom. But no lock on the door. But there was no lock on it he's like I don't want to shower here like there's no lock on the door it was the two of them that lived there where's your sense of adventure (laughs) and I think there was another another guest staying in 
in an, another one of the rooms, right? Like the place was full and they were super quiet. So like he would come in at night and he's like, and Mark's a smoker. Everybody knows that. And he felt like he couldn't even go out to have a smoke because then he has to walk through the creaky oh house God. past all the other people who are sleeping. Like we were on the phone till probably like two in the morning. So he's like, I'm fucking scared. But not even that. I'm on the phone and I'm whispering because I, yeah. can't, even, I can't even speak in a normal volume because it's like oh two God. o'clock in the morning. I know I know the, the, the chick who owns the place. Her bedroom is just on the other side of the wall here. Well, and I'm like, she what, a dumb, what a dumb place to put the bed. Why are you putting the bed right against the wall the shared wall maybe but the she bed against is a swigger maybe she was you know hoping you'd knock on the wall <laughs> it fucking... i don't know i don't know what the code is like <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a triple tap 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 i don't know was their garage half open no maybe it no. wasn't her father at all <laughs> it was, that was fucking sugar weird daddy. it was very strange yeah, no. Oh, I yeah. mean, you like, know. I didn't even want to stay there. Like, I went, I went and had some dinner. I went to the bar, and then I came back. And I'm like, okay, let me just smoke a joint and go to bed. And then I realized after I smoke a joint, I'm like, I'm not tired. I sat in my car oh, for brutal. fucking hours just watching YouTube on my phone, waiting till I, I got mean, sleepy to go in like and I, take. I a, know with Airbnb, like you get to write a review after that. So did you write like just a horrid review or no? Because that was that was my ill experience. Well, the thing with is, Airbnb. yeah, they were they were it nice, nice. It was nice clean, enough hosts, and it wasn't like it was secret that it was a shared space. Yeah, I think he just wasn't expecting. And maybe you could have written a review that they're nice people, but just you know, FYI to anyone who's going There's to no stay privacy. here, you literally sleep next. to to the homeowner like separated by a paper thin wall <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know enough about airbnbs do i only really have use of the room like the bedroom or do mm-hmm. i have like free reign of like no, the well, common they, spaces that's usually set in the ad because i don't remember oh i don't remember what was in the yeah ad, i don't but. remember but either way like you said like her and her quote dad were hanging out in the living room watching tv when you walked in the first time so yeah. were you gonna go sit and like watch football with them i don't know it was weird no <laughs> i think usually it's a you're renting a room yeah, right okay. so yeah you your private and it's usually you don't have a kitchen to use unless it stipulates but i mean what if you're in that neighborhood and you don't have a garage what do you do <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a flag we don't know about <laughs> yeah i don't know well i mean like over the years i i've just had all kinds of clients and when i was listening to one of your other podcasts and it's like you know when people say inappropriate things it's not even saying inappropriate like i mean people know my personality i'm a joker i'm pretty easygoing i swear too much so i mean i get inappropriate comments all the time and you know for me with my personality i know how to handle them but i had a therapist who didn't and a client actually touched her and one of the reper- like touched her how well he he was older he was married okay. i would say probably 30 years older than her She was young. She was very young in her early 20s. She worked in my office. Mm -hmm. He had been a regular of mine, but I could handle his personality. He was very forward, would throw out comments, and I knew how to diffuse the situation. What's the weirdest comment he's ever made, if you can Um, remember? I mean, I wouldn't even say he would make a comment to me, but he would talk about, like, you know, guys will talk about how bad their marriage is, how they're looking, or how they are swingers, or whatever the, the situation is. And there was one day that I wasn't available, so this other therapist saw him. Younger, inexperienced, very shy, um, and he kind of made an advance towards her while she was massaging him. And she just kind of giggled it off and didn't pay attention to it, Mm -hmm. so that when 
he came out of the massage room and she was sitting at the front desk. He went around the front desk and started rubbing her shoulders and I wasn't there. Mm. And so she was like, whoa, like, what are you doing? Like, I have a fiance, like this isn't, and he goes, oh, but I just said whatever in the massage room and you just kind of like, but she laughed it off. So she called me and I mean, I had to call the client and tell him like he was no longer welcome. But even, I, this is like quite a few years ago. That's ballsy. Well, I mean, you know, he was an older man. Still. You know, and when someone has a really dominant personality and you're used to dominating women, like she was very passive, very immature, very naive. And so he knew he could get away with that with her. But with me, mm. it wasn't ever going to happen. Like even his comments, I could you know, kibosh, but she was not able to do that. And obviously after that, he wasn't welcome, but I couldn't even refer him to another clinic because we are not supposed to inform another RMT of that situation. She wasn't even supposed to call me and tell me that that happened. Mm. If you want to talk about confidentiality and whatever, I was like, so, I mean, obviously she told me and I dealt with it, but it was like, there have been clients over the years. Like I actually lost a client um, when I broke up from this really bad relationship I was in when I was saying that about the abuse and everything else, I broke up with this guy and one of my clients said, okay, great. I can take you out now. And I was like, dude, like when in the past 10 years have you thought I was interested in you? And he, and I said like, I can't date a client. I said, I have to discontinue. He goes, fine. I won't be a client anymore. <laughs> and I was like, even if you're not a client, I'm still not going to date you. But I yeah, had, this isn't the reason why we're not dating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, hundred percent. Right. But I mean, over the years, 23 years of practice and, and it's not, you know, I think in relation to most RMTs, I've probably seen two to three times the amount of clients because of the length of my career, not taking any vacation time, not having kids. I've really seen a lot of clientele. And then on top of that, having a huge male clientele because of my background, I have been probably hit on like more times and I can even shake a stick at and knowing how to diffuse that situation, deal with it. And especially you're very much perceived by some people by how you look, how you dress. And I'm like, I'll get some people that are like, oh, you're like, you're actually smart. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, because they just, they judge you by how you look. And it was funny when you were talking to Mindy about tattoos and piercings, like I would get judged the other way because of course I would dress a certain way and look a certain way. And it'd be like, oh, well, you know, you just rub backs and, you know, oh, can you give me a happy ending? I'm like, bitch, who do you think you're talking to? Like once you get to know me, it's like looking one way and what you're all about is two different things. Mm. But you do get judged on how you look and your persona. And people think because I'm so easygoing and like, you know, that's my my personality that they can like let a lot more things slide. Like my sister is the most straight, narrow, serious person. You would, I mean, I don't even think one of my sister's clients would even attempt to tell her a dirty joke, right? Where for me... I mean, you should see, I'm like, when the investigator actually went through my cell phone, I was like, oh my God, there could be pictures on there that people have sent me that. Whoa, whoa, probably, whoa, 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 They went through your cell phone? Yeah, which is not registered to my business, by the way. It is a personal private cell phone. And she went through my cell phone, took pictures of my cell phone oh. of conversations. Yes. Do your clients message you on the phone? Some of them do, yeah. I wonder then if she has uh, legs to stand on because yes. even though it's not registered to the business, if it's a means of communicating with the clients, if she was even looking at the business. Even if it's registered means. to the business. This 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 might be really weird territory. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, they're entitled to look through, examine your clinic space. Yes, they're entitled to look through your records according to the RHPA. Nowhere... 
I mean, you can debate this where they can go through your computer, they can go through your cell phone. I will be bringing it up in my report. Do you have a lawyer? No, not yet. Once I, like, I know for a fact she has not compiled her report yet because she just called my client this week because my client was in on Saturday and said she had just called her. And, but yeah, they did go through my cell phone. She particularly picked on one husband and wife and took photos of my conversations with them. That's that's which not all of them relate to business. Like some of them are about their kids, like, oh, so and so finished. I mean But it is my private even if it does relate to business, I'm sorry. Like the the police can't even just do that on a whim, yeah. Yeah. right? And this is a regulatory college investigation. Like, uh, well, I, and I will tell yeah. you, exactly. she also had her husband show up at my office unannounced, and I was not there that day because I had specifically told her I was at a wedding that day. It was a Thursday. I feel day. like you need a lawyer. I feel like this investigation has gone. Way, I mean, I don't know. This is just from the stuff I'm hearing and from what little I know about anything, which is mm. really, I don't know anything about anything. But I feel like you need a lawyer on this. But I, yeah. And I mean, I have thought about it since you, I, I came and did the course. But, you know, to me, you know, we talk so much about bullying and intimidation and all these things. So here she is assigned to my case. I know she's assigned to my case. And she felt I was being uncooperative or difficult because I couldn't meet up with her the dates that she gave me because it was a week before I was going away for a month. Mm. I had my boyfriend's brother's wedding and I specifically told her I will not be home that day because I'm at a wedding. And her husband showed up on my doorstep. Now I have surveillance cameras. He called my phone and told me that he was at my doorstep. The investigator's husband? Yes, because he is also an investigator. And I guess she felt that he would get more progress than she was and then had him repeatedly call me to get me to give her information that she needed. And she goes, as you know, my husband and I, like, we're a team and, you know, we, but it's like, how would you feel? Like, I mean, I'm not an easily intimidated woman, but I mean, for me, it's not, it's the principle of the fact that she is assigned to my case. He is not. And he just randomly showed up on my door and said, oh, I'm so-and-so because he called my work phone and said, um, I'm so-and-so, I work with so-and-so and I'm here to get information from you. Well, to me, that is using a bullying tactic or an intimidation tactic to try and get me to be afraid. I mean, and I don't take it that way because I don't give a crap, but that is a tactic, I think, on her part to be like, oh, well, she's not responding to me, so I'm going to send my husband in because he's the the watchdog. This is so weird. And that's why I said I don't really feel that she's an unbiased third party because to hammer me for 30 minutes about a closed investigation and then to... I, I can't believe she called my client because at the end of the day, I've already given you all the information. You know, my records aren't up to date. You know, my billing's all over the place. You know, like shit's fucking all over the place. And now my client who I've had for 20 plus years, she is like so anxiety stricken. Like she's like, I don't know if I said the right thing or the wrong. I said, you did not say anything wrong. I said, you just basically confirmed what I've already told her. And to be in a conversation for 12 minutes with the investigator. I mean, my client is just beside herself. And then I feel like absolute garbage to put one of my clients through that. And it's like, I don't mind, you know, you want to investigate me, interrogate me because I wouldn't call them interviews. I would call them interrogations. Um, You know, to put a client through that who is basically an innocent bystander for my shortcomings is like, I feel like, like you, I can't even tell someone how bad I feel to put one of my clients through that and so which is why 
since I've taken the record keeping course and got back from holidays, all my shit's been done a hundred percent. And that's all I can do is correct what I've done and, you know, get back on track. So I don't know what's going to happen. Really I don't have confused. a lawyer. And so am I. And I find that I'm very like naive sometimes in these type of situations is that in my mind sometimes, well, like as I'm listening to you tell me all of this, obviously I believe you, obviously I know what happened, but it just seems so fucking unreal that somebody who works for the college who is- Well, they're a private an, entity from the college, okay, right? Yes. It's a, a company contracted by the college. I understand that, but then it just seems so- like shady, you know, to send your husband when they you've already informed them you're not going to be around. You know, all of the tactics they're using. When I hear this, this is where I say I feel like I'm so naive because I think I never would even think that would happen. Like it, it it's you know, like when you hear about dirty cops. I mean, I think I'm so um, <laughs> I'm desensitized desensitized to hearing about dirty cops. Like now, I'm not naive about that. Hence, mm-hmm. when that happened to me the other day, I immediately called you and I was like, "This is shady, right?" <laughs> yeah. Like. But certain things like it's it's like I just feel like, no, that wouldn't really that wouldn't happen. No, it wouldn't go that way. But it's so fucked up that you always have to be skeptical. You can't even trust people that you would assume you can trust. Right. Like there is there's no person that is not capable of being a shady motherfucker. Like nothing I mean, about what you're saying. Day, it's like I understand right. she's trying to do her job and there was nothing in my text uh, to this family that was inappropriate or, you know, be like, oh, you did this and you did this. No, it but like just, Mark said from the beginning, why are they even looking at your that phone? That to me is overstepping boundaries completely when you're, when they're looking at records looking at and financial message. records. Yeah, like, this that is not about yeah. text messages that you're having with your client. Like none of that should have been well, looked at. Well, and I at. mean, I'm going to say that You know, if you have a regular client, multiple regular clients, I mean, have any of your clients ever said, oh, I only have $100 left on my coverage? Have they ever told you? All the time. Right. And she said to me, well, why would they be texting you saying they only had $51 left each? I said, because people do that like pretty much. I said, I don't have access to what they have left. So a lot of people are like, oh, after that last one, I've only got $51 left. Yeah, people will tell me just to kind of let me know, but it's... Like I can't, and I mean, even like she was like, oh, well, how old is this person? How old is this person? Like, I know how old the kids are, but oh, well, the daughter's actually 18 now. Actually, she's just turned 19. But at the time I I was like, oh, I don't know. They're 17 and 16. I've honestly been massaging them since they were like eight and 10. Can you recite your client's birthdays? Oh, I can't even remember what I fucking did yesterday. Okay. So she pulled files. Now I did work at my sister's clinic for a number of years. Um, When my sister had her third child, I went and worked with my sister for three years. So this investigator pulled files. She also went to my sister's clinic, tore it apart, spent three hours there going through files, uh, appointment books, all this kind of stuff. My, you know, of course I feel terrible for my sister's staff and my sister because they, they had no idea what was going on because she left my office and went immediately to my sister's clinic 15 minutes away and tore it apart. She pulled files from 2013, 2014. And now you have to understand, I probably did upwards I would say anywhere between 1,000 to 1,600 treatments a year. And so she pulled a file of someone that I had seen twice, six years ago, and asked me what I wrote. Now, I know every RMT is going out there, oh, six years ago? Oh, yeah, I could recite word for word what I wrote. No, no one can. I can't fucking remember last week. And you're going to ask me six years ago, someone I saw on two occasions to ask me what I wrote. 
and 2014 and 20. Oh, what, what did you write in this person's pile? Who is this person? Who I don't fucking remember. This is so weird. To I me. see thousands of people. This and is what she, I mean. Can you even believe this would happen? I can't even follow it. I'm trying. That's yeah. You I, know, I, just I, to I prove that. Oh, back in 2013, my records weren't up to date. And I said, you know, but I can't figure out how far this, does this whole thing have to go when they tell you, listen, it appears that you've got issues with your records, with your patient files. It appears that you got issues with your financial 100%. stuff and you're like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Like this is to me is a no brainer. Well, right? this is why I don't why, understand why, why three have months to... later she still hasn't finished the investigation. And that's why that's I told her, I said, why do we need to meet for another three hours? Yeah. I said, you know, my records aren't up to date. You already investigated me once. We already know this information. And I said, at the end of the day, financially, I know I'm going to be liable to pay for this investigation. And to me, all she's doing is raking me for money. Because that's the only reason I see. We already know the logistics of what's going on. And so to pull files from 2013, 2014, and that's why when I came and saw you, I said, well, what about appointment books? Because she was hounding my sister for appointment books, for billing, for this. And my sister, we also moved locations. Mm -hmm. So I moved, my sister moved, then her clinic, she sold one and moved to another location. So it was like a question of, well, who has what files and where's their billing? And my sister had switched billing systems and whatever. And my sister's like, you know, number one, my sister has three kids plus a clinic to run. And this woman is like, like, well, your sister wasn't exactly like. It's this like you know, my sounds, sister has other. Sh- oh, she's a Nazi. This almost I mean, sounds no, like it's a, it's more of a fraud thing. Yeah. This almost sounds like there might have been a chance that they found something that looked like fraud, and now they're ripping they're everything. Well, and I mean, and a hundred percent because, like I said, if so and so came in on Wednesday and they dropped their kids off instead, and I had already billed them, I mean, yeah, there are going to be instances where yes, I saw this person, but billed this person, and I mean. You know, on paper, if that's fraud, I mean, did I do the massage? Yes. But was it to the correct billing and to the correct person? Not all the time. Hmm. And so, and it's not like I've denied that because I mean, what can I do? Right. And that's why I said uh, when I, when I came and took the course about appointment books, because my appointment book is not, I was going to be scratched out and, oh, I now saw this person instead of this person. So they're not going to correlate. And that's the problem yeah, because my receipts are not matching what's in my appointment book. The appointment book. book has got to match your patient file, has, has got to match, match the receipts. receipts. Yep. But it when it comes to down to it, do we have to keep our appointment books for seven to 10 years? I files, yes, but I, not yeah, a, what files, appointment books. If files are 10 years. Right. Mm, equipment logs. <laughs> I know, I'm just going to go through everything. I kind of know. Equipment logs for RMTs. There is no set period versus things like I think physios and uh, kins have to keep. But that's their equipment an equipment logs log. That's for, for your five table years. But I'm, and... I'm, I'm just kind of rhyming through everything that, off the top of my head, I know has a, a timestamp to it. I don't recall any legislation or any college policy surrounding your appointment books. I don't recall that. I don't. I don't recall legislation. I do know. Um, you know, this is Maybe not evidence of anything. But the last clinic that I worked at, she was very um, the clinic owner. You know, be, she wanted to make sure that everything was in line. So she had us. Um, the appointment book belonged to her. Like we all have access mm-hmm. to it, and we. Can, but the appointment logs for all the therapists, like she keeps them, and she keeps them by date. Mm-hmm. She keeps them actually. I think. I, I want to say as long as the files, the appointment books, the receipt books, like they yeah. all stay and they're all filed yeah. by date and whatever, because she wants to make sure, you know, if there ever was something like an investigation, yeah. oh, 100%. everything can be backed up. Um, I don't know if she has to keep them for 10 years, but she does. Which, you know what, like I understand in multidisciplinary clinics, like, you know, 
uh, other clinics that I've worked at where you have multiple staff, maybe multiple therapists seeing the same people. But, you know, for the last five years, I've been by myself in my own office, seeing my own clients. And, you know, appointment books for me are more of like a point of reference other than like a written in stone. Because I mean, on a daily basis, oh, can you see me this time instead of this time? Can you see me this day instead of this day? And do I necessarily change it in my book? No. Right. So you're going to say, oh, well, you did a receipt for the Tuesday, but that person's actually written in on Wednesday. I'm like, yeah, so I just didn't change it in my book. But she's really using my appointment book as evidence against me. Like, oh, well, it says this in your book and you're crossed out here and it says, you know, you were here for the day, but then you build a person that day. And I'm like, well, if, you know, I was, okay, perfect example, Monday's my day off. But do you think I've seen pre- people on a Monday? Of course. Of course. Did I write them in my book? Not necessarily. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that person and this person. And maybe I build their insurance Monday. Like I had a couple come in on Sunday, but I build it on the regular Wednesday. And I'm like, well, I said, okay, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But whatever it is, what it is. I can't take it back now. And I mean, and that's what I said to her. I said, it's not like I, I can't produce files I don't have. You're not, I can't deni- pr- you're not denying no, anything. No, 100%. Because yeah. you know what? I think as an RMT... You know, I think most RMTs are very emotionally driven people and, you know, logistics and paperwork and being diligent with that stuff has never been my strong suit. And I think I've been so emotionally driven the last couple of years just with all the other stuff going on in my life that that is where my business really faltered. And like I said, until I took time off and I took five weeks in one session off, which is really what I needed. I mean, it wasn't even until then that I realized what a mess that I had created for myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the only thing to do is move forward and get better. And I mean, and I know there's going to be consequence to action. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't do this and I didn't do this or this is wrong. Or, like I didn't deny about anything. I didn't lie about anything. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Like if they take my license away, like I I have worst case scenario in my head and I've already sat down and, and talked with my boyfriend about what we're going to do if shit hits the fan and I lose my license. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has been my livelihood for 23 years, right? Like this. And what I also don't want to get stuck with like a $25,000 fine. I said, you're not losing. I, I can't see you losing your license over it. Like this is not unless a they sexual can, Unless they can prove fraud, possibly. Even with fraud, I've seen so many, I shouldn't say so but many, I don't but I've seen a lot of decisions like from really the college. Intentional fraud. You know what I mean? Either it's which, like, intentional. I don't, I don't think yeah. they care about intent yeah. when it comes but to I've fraud. But I've seen decisions on the college website yeah. regarding fraud, and people generally don't lose their license. You get suspended, you get fined, you have to pay back what's whatever. Like, the word, been, like you've been sitting in on discipline hearings. What's kind of like the worst scenario I've, that you've seen I've, so far? I've sat in on one so far, okay. and it was a sexual abuse case. Okay. The next one's tomorrow. And uh, oh, okay. the sexual abuse case resulted in a revocation of the guy's okay. license. Okay. Which, interestingly enough, his case happened or the the time of the alleged abuse i, I can't say alleged anymore it's been found yeah. it's been gone he's to been discipline. convicted yeah. he's been convicted but at the time of the abuse that happened prior to bill 87 protecting patients act prior to the college's zero tolerance policy mm-hmm. so really at the end of the day the committee didn't have to revoke his license and that was one of the things that, you know, you know, he didn't have a lawyer, but the college's lawyer was like, you know, we don't have to revoke your license, but we're suggesting to the committee that you do so, even though we're full recognition that you don't have to do that mm-hmm. to this particular person. He got his license revoked. He had to pay um, $3,000 to the college. Um, 
for counseling for that particular person it, it, as an assurance that there's there's money for counseling because the college supplies or gives the any victim the opportunity for counseling regardless right mm-hmm. whether they've made someone pay for it or not that's part of their program so they made him pay three thousand bucks for that and he had to pay two-thirds of the cost of the whole investigation now this investigation was like 110 115 thousand dollars he had to pay back like 80 grand and then what do you do when they take your certificate away right well that was his thing he's like listen i haven't been practicing um i i was i was suspended Right. So you guys suspended me. So I couldn't practice and I wouldn't practice anyway. I went back to school. I worked. I work in a different field. I don't make the same type of money I did before. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how you're expecting me to pay back this 80 grand. And they originally wanted him to pay back in like two years or something like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then it ended up being like he worked it out that he's going to pay him back in eight years. Yeah. Even still, equal, like you said, that's still equal humongous. monthly installments. Yeah. Yeah over an eight year period. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, and I mean, you know, in my own mind, like that's one of the, the terms I've come with. Okay. If they investigate, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, if she's working this many hours on my case at a hundred dollars an hour, blah, blah, blah. She's come up, you know, to, to my office so many times. Like, so I've tried to work out, <clears throat> you know, what a fine would be, what her fee would be. And it's just, so what is the, the case you're on tomorrow? Uh, I think one of them is, one of them I, I think, think is, is fraud. fraud. And I think the other one is, okay. is another sexual abuse. Be interesting case. to know how it goes. Yeah, I'm curious to see how these things go. Cause I, I really want to see a scenario where, where the accused party has a lawyer as well, mm. because this guy was representing himself and oh I was thinking, oh, this is, Which is probably, a huge mistake. Well, I mean, it was probably a mistake through the whole process of being investigated and it definitely was a mistake when it came down to discipline because for example if you if you don't know how it's set up the college has their their lawyers Mm -hmm. whom actually carry through the discipline process as far as i understand it to be on top of that the committee who makes the decision on what's going to happen because this is a discipline committee they have a lawyer who acts as their advisor so not only are you paying for the investigation as a whole, you're paying for the college to pay for their lawyers to have this case against you. You're paying for the lawyer who acts as the advisor to the committee. It's a whole fucking shitstorm. And like when you hear that, how much the shit costs, like, for example, the college lawyers, they were like over 40 grand. Right, the, the the lawyer that they had that was an advisor to the committee, it was like insane. Not to scare the shit out of Teresa or anything. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 know, no. But I that's mean, that's honestly, that's that's, like, a, that's a that's a heavy type of like that's yeah, a heavy I type know. of yeah. thing. Like, but that's I mean, a you really know, in my own mind, I like come up with worst case scenario, best case scenario, and actually, after coming down and meeting Mark, and you know, maybe getting a little bit more information and getting my shit back on track, and you know, I think you have to show some type of retribution that it's like, okay, I understand. Like, I totally messed up. It's shitty to go through this as your wake up call. And honestly, after my first investigation with the acupuncture, I didn't get my shit together because that's just where I was mentally and emotionally. I was just in like a super shit spot. And I'm like, I I said to the investigator, I said, I'm not trying to like use it as an excuse and be like, oh, I had anxiety or I was this or I was that. I'm like, you know what? My life was just overwhelming. I didn't handle it well. And that's why I'm taking five weeks off so I can regain control of my overall life. Because I think you can be a person who, 
you know, your your life is like split in two. I was one person while I was at work and then I was like another person in, in my personal life and it was a disaster. And I think, you know, people can look at you and I would have people come into my office and see all my certificates on the wall and, you know, talk to me and have treatment be like, oh my God, like you're such a great person and you're like, you know, I'm on a pedestal for so many people. And then, you know, you go through that door and it's like, man, you, you you don't have any control over your own personal life and you don't even know that you're not in control of it. And it's not even until I've gone through this whole process that I realized how out of control my whole life was. And that's why the new strive requirements, I realized that, man, like I really need to make that time for myself mentally, emotionally, physically. Do you want me to give you an example? Yeah. This is a, a decision that happened in September of 2019. This person, they, they were investigated and brought in front of the discipline committee for doing things, which is a little different than what, you, what you're doing or what you have been mm-hmm. being investigated for. You're, being invest- you're not being investigated for falsifying records, right? No. So this person has is, was being investigated for falsifying records, signing or issuing in her professional capacity a document that she knew contained false or misleading information, blah, 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 blah. And so the decision was, let me just run through this really quick. They suspended her license for a period of five months. Within six months of, of, of the discipline, they had to show proof that they were taking record-keeping workshops at their own expense, uh, that they were taking professionalism workshops at their own expense. And then they got fined. How much was the fine? Oh. <laughs> Let's talk dollars. <laughs> dollar, dollar bill. Amount of three thousand yeah. dollars to be paid over the over three months. That's, I mean, and you know, that's not unreasonable. So, so what's the lesson we want to we want to tell RMTs on this one? Because there's a learning. There's you a know, learning point I, here. I, I think you know, don't allow what's going on in your own personal life to affect your business. Mm. And I know that's hard because. You know, for me, I'm a super emotional person and I'm emotionally driven. And that really spilled over into my professional life. And that shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if you are a good therapist and you are helping people, you just need to be diligent about what you're doing. And I just think, you know, over the years, I've really considered myself to be a pretty top-notch hands-on therapist. And like when you said you're only as good as your paperwork and that's not reflected in a reflection of who you are. Mm -hmm. You can't just be good hands-on. You have to be good at your whole job and just keeping a certain level of professionalism. Like, I don't know. Like I just, it was really a wake-up call for me because I always did consider myself to be someone who was top-notch, but that was not reflected in everything. Can I ask a question? Do you guys think that you can be empathetic and apathetic at the same time? You can all deep and philosophical. So it's just, when I first started talking to you, Teresa, some of the things that you had said, you know, Mm. when you're talking about how people say things like, oh, I can't be busy in this career. Like, that's bullshit. Or, you know, I don't have enough time. That's bullshit. It's like, you were coming across to me almost as a little bit apathetic. Like, I don't care about your fucking excuses and complaints. Just get your (laughs) shit together. But then as we've gone on and you've got, you know, you kind of showed your vulnerability a little bit more about how, you know what, my life was a fucking mess. But I just focused on my clients because they might have other things going on. And you started talking about emotions. And so I can see that there's part of you. Well, and I mean, there has to be. You work in healthcare. There's part of you that has empathy. So I'm thinking, are you both empathetic and apathetic at the same time? I mean, I I, I think it it depends if you're you're dealing with clients 
or other RMTs. Other RMTs, man, I got no, like, it is like, I just think a lot of RMTs are lazy or they're not confident or I don't know what their fucking excuse is. Or are they just people as well? Are are there RMTs that are going through some personal shit and letting yep. their personal shit affect their business? You know, I think that too. I think, you know, you know, some of the, when I hear excuses about why you're not, it's like, I think if you're not busy, I mean, even for me going through all this personal shit, I mean, obviously I'm a bit of a disaster, but not in front of my clients. Someone that's going through personal shit and it's affecting their business and not owning it is a whole other story. Someone who's going through personal mm-hmm. shit saying, I fucked things up, I'm right. doing no, this no, really no. poor. Not owning it, but did it not take, as she just said, did it not take her getting to the point of having to be pulled through the mud mm-hmm. to admit I fucked up. Uh, at no. the time she was going through it, it's you don't. You That's don't your question. At the right time, where at the were time you, were you, you don't realize it, like you don't. Where were you? At the, you know at what, the time, the, were you I, like, I, I'm I, just I, doing this, and I know this is not the most proper thing, but whatever. I'm just gonna fucking do yeah, it. Yeah, I that's think not. at the time because I work by myself, no one comes into my office that I don't know. It's just like ah, it's no big deal. Who gives a shit? No one cares. But. I mean, that's not on public display either, right? It's not like I'm going, oh, well, I'm not doing this and not doing this. It was like, I don't know how to describe it because it's like, like I said, even going through the first investigation, I did not pull my shit together because that caused me so much stress and so much anxiety where it was like, holy man, I am going to have a breakdown. I can't tell you how many times like, you know, you just break down in tears because you're like, oh my, but then I, I don't know if I, I just didn't have the tools to pull my shit together. Like I didn't, like I said, like to me, it's an overwhelming feeling. And it wasn't until I literally left my practice. Like, it's not like just taking, oh, I'm going to take a week off from my practice. I left the country for four weeks and I was not on a schedule, not on a plan. I literally left the country for four weeks and just did like a total, like, I don't know, like I just had to focus on me and my life and and enjoying some time off and having no plan, no schedule, no nothing. So that like, I'm not a relaxed person. (laughs) I'm like a go, 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 go 24 seven person. Mm -hmm. And so for me to step back, I mean, I had one of my clients ask me last week if I ever sleep. And I'm like, yeah, like sometimes for four hours, but I'm typically an on the go 24 seven in your face, like kind of person. And I think I have a lot of empathy for my clients. But when it came to myself, like, I don't have a lot of people to like, really open up to or vent to. And even my sister being an RMT, she is so opposite to me in how she conducts herself. She is so professional, so good with her business. Like she has always been my go-to person. She still prints my business cards after 23 years. She still (laughs) helps me with things. Like my sister is like- my sister's slacking. No, yeah, yeah, tell her to pick it up. No, my sister has, you know, and I mean my sister, like, I mean, she knows that I've told her, like she's my mentor and like she's someone that I look up to because my sister has always done the right thing right she's always been on top of her business she always does her billing she like she's got a whole staff is that tough to have a sister like that um, who, who appears I, to be perfect you know, ask my sister I'm kidding I'm kidding I wouldn't it's say tough it's to have tough a perfect sister. I just feel like I'm the sister that is like you know what did my brother say to me one day he goes well she's the responsible one <laughs> So wait, you're the hot mess? I'm the hot mess. <laughs> and I mean, it's 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 not like it's not common knowledge in my family that I'm like loud and obnoxious and in your face. My sister is like quiet. She doesn't swear. Well, you she's, know Teresa's sister, right, Mark? Is she anything like her? I don't. You don't remember who she is? Probably because she's not nearly as loud. Her I, sister took courses with us as well. Yeah. 
you she's like petite waist long red hair freckles you know she looks really young but my sister has taken courses with people that I know and they are they sit back in shock and they're like you can't really be sisters and it's like oh yeah even in high school we got it because my personality's always been over the top and so and my sister Lisa she's been with her husband since she was 16 she just turned 45 and you know my life was you know a revolving door of boyfriends in and out like I've always kind of been a disaster and the only thing I ever felt that I was good at was being a massage therapist like that was my thing and that's what I focused like it didn't matter what was going on in my life I knew I could treat clients Mm -hmm. and I knew I could treat them well and I knew I could treat them the best and I knew I could help people and so it didn't matter what was going on with me my focus was always my clients and of course I had a huge clinic at one point and I would hear the whining from other RMTs I'm like you know you just have to want I think if you are not truly a people person and you don't want to help people then this is not the profession for you and help them like my sister her treatment style is very different than mine too so where you know, I've had my clients like they've gone between the two of us and they're like, oh, your sister's great too, but she's very different. I'm like, oh yeah, I know because she's been massaging me since I was 16. Like I know her style. But I just think when you're overwhelmed with things in your life, something has to, like something sacrifices. And because paperwork was already a weakness for me, that it was not, you know, my strong suit, I've always needed help with it, that when I was falling apart myself, that paperwork that that's just where I dropped the ball. Yep, for and, sure. And I mean, there's no excuse for it. And I mean, I'm telling you, like, I mean, I'm like a super hard ass person and in your face. But when I was being investigated, I mean, there were definite like tears because, you know, you start reflecting on yourself and you're like, you know, what have you been doing? Like you are professional. You, you know, people look to you. People call me before they call their doctor. Teresa, what should I do? I've had clients over the years say, why, why didn't you become a doctor? Why haven't you continued your education? Why aren't you doing this? Because I am a super knowledgeable person and I am really good at what I do. And then, you know, now I've had to tell all my clients that I'm now under investigation again for my record keeping and my billing. And that it like takes a hit to your ego and your who you are as a human being and saying like, oh man, I have to tell you I'm under investigation for this and the college may be calling you, which I had to do to this client that she did call. How do your yeah. how do your clients respond to that? Honestly, they're like, who gives a shit? <laughs> Not one of them has said, oh wow, really? Like you haven't been writing a file for me for five years? Not one of my clients has given a shit. And so I've already created a template for my clients to fill out when I get my response from the college because I do get a chance to defend myself on how long I've been treating them, how they feel about me as a therapist, what I've done for them, you know, basically like almost like a character reference. Um, But no, there has not been a single client that I have told they don't care. They're like, so who cares? I'm like, well, and and then I tell them, I said, you know, it's important. I'm supposed to be doing this. This is this, this and this. And, you know, and it, it just makes you realize, I think when you've been registered as long as me and you've been out of school for so long and you've taken bullshit courses for 20 years that aren't relevant that you really kind of get lost and especially when you're not working in multidisciplinary and you know no one else is reading your files you know no one else is looking at your charts you know no one else is coming into your office you know it really is just a personal issue that you know you can just drop the ball and I think you know staying on like yeah we've all taken courses over the years but I haven't taken courses 
that I've needed to take. And that's why when I took the record keeping course, it was like, oh man, like I really needed a refresher in this. So I'm not too upset about the Strive program because I think it's forcing me to focus on things that I've needed to focus on, but I've pushed to the back burner. Which is absolutely the point of the Strive competencies yeah. is to figure out where you're lacking and where your yeah. practice needs improvement. I was, and do I, it. I, I was laughing though when I heard you uh, in the podcast saying, were you done yet? There's no submit button. I must have done it three times before like, okay, well, if I didn't complete it, then I guess I'll get an email saying you need to complete your strive <laughs> because I was like, well, when you read the information, it says this could take up to two hours. I'm like, what could take? I'm like, it took me five minutes. I'm I like- know. I kept thinking, did I miss something? <laughs> and then of course my sister's like, oh, she goes, it took me so many tries to get hundred percent. And I was like, oh, I did it in two times faster than her. So I was like, <laughs> you know, a little win for me, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the decision that's going to be made. I'm kind of prepared for worst case scenario. And I think when I was doing the acupuncture investigation, I was a lot more worried. And I think because I had already mentally had a breakdown about that investigation, that this time around, I'm a little bit stronger emotionally because I'm like, okay, you know what, Teresa, just screw it. Whatever happens, happens. There's going to be a fine. You're going to have to pay for the investigation. You could lose your license. You could get suspended. And I mean, because that comes with financial consequences. So I'm Mm -hmm. like mentally prepared for it. I'm financially prepared for it. And, you know, like, what can I do? Like I'm, I'm kind of, my hands are in the air until I get a response from the college and I get the chance to defend myself. Well, I think you're, you're doing what you have to do. You've taken the course. You're already taking steps to show that you know that you fucked up. You're not denying anything. You're being upfront, honest, letting them go through, include everything, including your phone, um, which is fucked up. But I, I think that you've got a really good attitude about it. I think most people, when something like this happens, you know, they get nervous, they start pointing fingers, placing blame, making excuses, getting defensive. And you're just saying, I have no excuse. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I recognize it. I'm going to fix it. I'm yeah. I'm not being dishonest. I'm not breaking the law. I just, I fucked up. Yeah. And at this point, you just have to wait and see what happens. I appreciate you coming on and being so open and honest about it. I find you very interesting and the most empathetic, apathetic therapist <laughs> I've ever met in my entire life. You somewhat confuse me, yet I get you at the same time. Yeah. It's been a really interesting like two hours here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't told anyone I want to punch him in the face today. Like, it's fine. Thank God, I don't want you punching me in the face. I've seen what you can do. Fuck. <laughs> but no, I mean, and this is like something that's totally out of my realm. Like, I'm not an internet person. I don't listen to podcasts. I will listen to you guys a little more often now because um, I don't yeah, sit Yeah, you better and... fucking. You're going to be checking up on me. But, you know, it's an interesting platform because, you know, I do not, as I told you, like off air, I do not associate with RMTs at all outside of my my practice. Like, I don't talk to any RMTs except for my sister. And I don't even talk to the RMTs that are at her clinic who I've known for 15 years. Like, unless we have a case or a problem, I literally, I am not involved in the massage world at all. I live in my own little bubble. And so for me to come do this, and I know it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of people listening and a lot of RMTs and other health professionals. I don't associate with any RMTs. I'm not involved in any associations. I don't have any other friend RMTs that I hang out with because most of them are not my personality kind of area. Like I'm a little bit more harsh and abrupt and, you know, a lot of people find it, I'm offend a lot of people, although my clients love me. So, I mean, that's all I care about. But at the end of the day, like even my sister, like she has to talk like Teresa, like you swear too much and like you need to tone it down a bit. Like, and you know, a lot of my career, like people are like, oh my God, like you are too much to handle. And I'm like, 
I'm just me. Like, and I'm pretty much an open book. I'm honest. I tell people how it is. I don't bullshit. And it's like... So here's the other lesson to end off on. (laughs) As we say all the time, be yourself, be genuine, and you will attract your type of clientele. Teresa is not your typical RMT. She's not (laughs) fluffy. She doesn't have a yoga voice. She says fuck a lot and has a busy practice that she has sustained for over 20 years, even while under investigation, her clients are sticking by her. So Mm. be you and you'll find the people that you want to be around. You won't have to put on an act, right? And then maybe time I I come back, we'll talk about some college stuff, like why we still pay the HST. (laughs) Don't get me started. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's another topic. (laughs) I don't don't think we have time to delve into another topic But I I will tell you, I did fight the city of Barrie when they were charging RMTs. And I do have a lot to say about the HST and stuff like that because, again... I don't think we should have to pay HST. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. To be continued. Right on. Thanks for coming by. This has been fun. Yeah. I'll come down again. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.